with you talking about Dave Batista uh, and, and imagining a baby face, when my daughter was born, the first thing that I thought she looked like was Dave Batista. <laughs> <laughs> this is the number one thing. She like wrinkled her forehead in a certain way. And I was like, you look like Dave Batista. No, I said, we really need to come up with more flattering terms to describe your, your new daughter. I was like, that's pretty flattering. He's a good looking guy. He's super strong and stuff. Yeah, he's, a big, he's lovable. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a special new release episode of Not Your Father's Movies. I'm Vito. I'm Mike. And I'm Jesse. And we are the Dad Fathers coming at you with some spicy energy. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, and today we're joined by a spicy gentleman himself, Dan, longtime listener of the pod and uh, recently my neighbor, basically. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I've been listening for a while. I think I've known Jesse for a couple years and he recommended the podcast to me like only a couple weeks in and yeah, I've been listening to it ever since. Brave man. A couple weeks in. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't well, think I long. recommended it at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Man uh, episode two. It's a great episode. That yeah. is a good episode. That is true. <laughs> despite the audio quality, but yeah. I have to ask brief point of housekeeping here. Are, are you to be now known as the spicy gentleman, Dan? Is that, I think is that your official it's, title? It's your name. <laughs> it's like, mean, it, that's just Jesse introduced I, you. I mean, Spicy I needed a Twitter handle, so I guess that's <laughs> Dan, the spicy gentleman. I like it. That's great. That's awesome. Wait, so so having listened to the pod for like a year now, uh, what's your biggest beef? Like, oh, like yeah. do you disagree with us on anything like major? Yeah. What what call did we make that you were like absolutely not? I don't know. I've so I've listened to like probably two thirds of the podcast. So okay. I'm not I haven't listened to all of them. I also never listen to ones I haven't seen the movie to. That so makes sense. I'm kind of Good. a stickler on that. That's but, fair. We designed the pod for, for those that have watched the movie. So, yeah, yeah, that's what I discovered early on. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going <laughs> to. I don't want to try like... to do spoiler alerts, but we're really we're so bad, bad at that. <laughs> we tend to do them after we've spoiled. And <laughs> by the way, this is your spoiler alert for Dune. That's right smart. now. That's smart. Do right it now. Out the gate. Here we go. We should just yeah. do it like, hi, I'm Vito. I'm Mike. I'm Jesse. Spoiler alert for this movie. Yeah. Now here we go. Yeah. But anyway, Dan, Dan I'm sorry. Um, we didn't mean to cut sorry. you Sorry. No, no. Uh, I don't know. I don't know that any big beef stands out immediately. I, I really enjoyed the Green Knight podcast. Nice. <laughs> and I think the reason I enjoyed it so much is that I felt like a lot of like heated debate going on. And yeah, that's kind of what I enjoy. Like, I, I feel like a lot of the movies everybody loves or everybody in the podcast loves them. I don't know. I felt a little bit of heat in the room during that that podcast, and I kind of enjoyed listening <laughs> I, to that. <laughs> I, we've, we've gotten this feedback several times. And what's funny is that that one was... Ooh, there was heat in the room. I got a sunburn off of that one. Uh, Good time. Yeah. Good time. In retrospect. So, so we're going to fight more, basically. All right. All right. We got it. Yeah. Gotta do that. That's do that. what we should do yeah. for Dune. Don't you tell me what to Dune. Uh, also, we're also doing yes. Dune this week, by the way. Oh. That's our new release episode. Sorry, yeah. everyone. It's Dune uh, from this week. Dan, the spicy gentleman, is here to help us talk about this. And I think we all have some, some interesting ideas, some opinions and thoughts that we've all shared. 
to greater or lesser degree with each other. I'm actually really excited to hear from all of you sort of a bigger opinion, because usually when we do these new release episodes, like we'll share some initial thoughts, you know, over our Slack and texting, sending each other gifts. It's really cute, but we don't really let it all out until the episode. And I'm really excited, especially for a movie this big to get it out there. But I guess I would ask this question that like, why have we chosen to do Dune almost a full month after its release? In from my perspective, man, this is this is the next dad franchise. That's what I think. That's what I think. I think this is going to go um, big places. This is the next like Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. That's what I think, and that's why I wanted to do it because I really love this movie. I think we're going to be talking about Dune for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's a hole in my heart for an adult sci-fi universe because there is. There is Star Wars, which taps into all that nice nostalgia, but is it really tackling like a bunch of crazy ideas? To me, they're just like good times. But like growing up, I remember my dad used to watch Star Trek all the time, and that was at least trying to do something a little different. But I, I don't think we have a, a Star Trek equivalent today. No, besides I mean, we Star, have Trek. Star Trek, but it's besides Star Trek, really. but it's but yeah, but it's, it's quite it's diminished. Not, yeah. yeah, yeah, that that flame has dwindled down to be a, a low ember. And here we have this new thing. And I've read the books and I was excited to do this movie for that. And then also like, you know, like there's some really big names attached to this. I don't know how we could possibly ignore it. Yeah, it definitely feels like it was either this or like, you know, when, when Hollywood releases two movies that are basically the same thing and they both come out really close to each other, that that's kind of how I felt with Dune and Eternals, right? You had mm. two huge companies who had a giant blockbuster that was full of people that was supposed to start a new thing. And they both landed within a couple of weeks of each other. And it seems like Eternals has really disappeared from conversation, not from box office, but no one really seems to be engaging with that movie on a deep level. We have not really engaged in that movie on a deep level. I think that that as close as it got to that movie coming out, all of us collectively, the three of us on this pod, um, I don't know how you feel, Dan, I don't want to speak for you, but it seems like all of us, our excitement really went down. But when we saw Dune, that was like, that was exciting. That was something new. It wasn't another thing of Marvel where they just have a bunch of CGI bad guys and then people with superpowers hitting them. This seemed like, like Jesse was saying, uh, like you were saying, uh, a big deal. You know, yeah. in a way, Jesse, you could say there's a hole in your heart that goes all the way to Dune. And uh, we've, we've gone there. <laughs> uh, it's as long as a sandworm and as big. <laughs> You've got worms in your heart? That sounds bad. <laughs> sandworms, but they're nice. They're nice sandworms. Also, they're like the Beetlejuice sandworms. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to say on record, I, I hate Eternals because I was supposed to go see Dune in IMAX with Dan, but I, I was sick. So I, I had to miss out. And so the next weekend, I'm looking for IMAX screenings in Phoenix area. And it's all Eternals. All of it. No Dune. They've dropped it out completely. So I, I can say I hate Eternals just because I missed out on Dune in IMAX. That makes me really angry. And that really gets to the heart of the matter of why we're not doing Eternals. Because they <laughs> cut Dune out of the IMAX showings, that jerk of a film. Yeah. Who does Eternals think it is? <laughs> Well, well, we'll tell you at some point, because I, I at least I'm going to see it before the yeah. end of the year. I can't say I'm very excited. My excitement for it is much less than this time last year. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but I think that, you know, that that's kind of where we're doing it. And we want to, now that everyone's had a chance to see it, there's also like an HBO Max thing. So everyone who couldn't go see it at theaters, maybe you weren't comfortable, whatever, was able to see it at home. You know, this was available to just so many people. Yeah. And we're also, after this, I I'd, I'd wanted to share a reason I wanted to do this too, is that in December, uh, we are doing Star Wars. We're going to do the original Star Wars trilogy. Woo! 
what? Yep. And I can't think of a better way to like to do that than by doing this movie first. Because, you know, it came first yep. anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, book wise. Yeah. In fact, yeah. Dune is considered like just like Lord of the Rings is considered the grandfather of modern fantasy. So is Dune considered the grandfather of modern sci-fi. Right. But maybe moving on to uh, to cast and crew here. We uh, this is coming to us from our from our good guy, uh, Denny Villeneuve. Um, I'm saying it that way. I don't know if that's the right way to say it. As Dan 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 did bring up a helpful pronunciation guide earlier. I'm still lost. I'm just trying here. I'm just going to call him Danny. Our good boy Danny is <laughs> making this movie. Yeah, on a first name basis, right? That's how much we like him. Yeah, call him Den. I don't know for short. I'm feeling lazy. <laughs> but this is the guy that we all know from from doing a couple years ago. He did Blade Runner 2049, which is fantastic. Uh, Sicario. Mm-hmm. We got prisoners. We have a rival. Yeah, just an incredible talent. And he just keeps getting bigger. I don't know how he keeps getting bigger. Yeah. But he keeps and doing it. <laughs> I think I'll also say I was really excited to see Dune. Not even so much because of the story, but I, I knew Denny Villeneuve was going to do it. And I was kind of blown away by Arrival, like a few yeah. years back when he made that, after having read the short story. Mm-hmm. Which is like, it's not a short story you can make into a movie. It's about language and time. In, in a weird way. It's not something I would have ever expected could be a movie. And that was the same thing when I read Dune, like ah, this will never be on the big screen, at least in a successful way. So when I heard this guy was attached to it, it's like, well, maybe there's a chance. Yeah. And, and Arrival was successfully transferred from the short story to, to the big screen. I mean, a beautiful movie yeah. with just incredible, mm-hmm. incredibly rich and deep themes about time and love and all that, but I mean, all you, that jazz. Yeah. I mean, you actually shared. I, I don't know if you shared it with Jesse, but you shared that short story with me, the one by Ted Chang. Yeah, you shared that, that collection. You know that that was given to us by another friend of the pod, Dave. Um, oh, he, brother Dave. He introduced me to Ted Chang, and Ted Chang is a deeply loved short story sci-fi writer of mine. I mean, he yeah. also he also wrote that yeah. great book on like how to use Windows ninety five. But the funny thing about that is when I read that short story collection for Arrival, had even been scheduled to be made into a movie. I would never have picked that story yeah. to be the one to be adapted. And so when they yeah. announced it, I actually was not excited. I was like, no, that's an incredibly technical story. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I was upset. I was like, this is, <laughs> this should not be done. Like, yeah. who is this Denny Villeneuve dude? Like, what, who the hell does he think he is? Yeah. Yeah. I felt yeah. the same way. So I never saw it until like a couple of years later. It's like, oh, wow, it works. Wow. And it's great. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah. I had a similar experience with, Blade Runner 2049, when I heard it was coming out, I was like, who who does this guy think he is that he can do a sequel <laughs> to something so massive as the original Blade Runner? And then it totally blew my mind. Yeah. I think it's one of the best sequels that's ever been made. And these kind of accomplishments for a director, I think they say way more about him than even just a single movie that was great. The fact that he can take a short story and make it something great, that he can take a beloved sci-fi like Blade Runner and make a sequel that's amazing. These are things that directors usually can't do, even the great ones. Yeah, so I was very excited about Dune, to yeah. say the least. Yeah, just that, just to, the way you laid it out, Dan, is exactly how I've been thinking of it. Like he did, to my mind, he's now done three impossible things, right? He converted an impossible to film short story into an Academy Award nominated new classic. Then he made a sequel to one of the most beloved cult classics of all time that people also loved. Then he adapts the unfilmable novel. Like, yeah. that's amazing. Just in it, one, two, three, you know, no gaps, no breaks, here he goes. And uh, you can't stop him. I, I'm scared. I'm scared for when, 
you know, he hits his his tenant. You know what I mean? Because I love tenant, but I recognize most people don't. But I, I, I'm watching this arc, and it, it seems a little Nolan-y, you know? <laughs> yeah. What Hopefully it's I, not Dune yeah. too. Yeah. You know. That's hope. That's hope. Dune yeah. Messiah won't be the one that breaks him. So he he did write this, but he also had a lot of help with this. He wrote it with Eric Roth and, and John Spates. Eric Roth has been nominated five times for Academy Awards for uh, Forrest Gump, The Insider, Munich, Curious Case of Benjamin Button, and A Star is Born. And he's also working on Martin Scorsese's new film, Killers of the Flower Moon. So he is a very, very respected, very talented screenwriter, been around for a long time. But also uh, John Spates, nothing to sniff at either. Although he's got a little... He, did, he is responsible for the Tom Cruise The Mummy. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yikes. <laughs> yes. So he's had his hand in the in the universes before, and it did not go so well. But he's also responsible for The Darkest Hour, Prometheus, Doctor Strange. You know, he's done some good stuff. He's a lot younger than, than Eric Roth is. But those are kind of the people who, who have kind of brought this to the big screen who, from the unadaptable novel. And it makes sense that it would take three very talented writers to do that. This is starring... Timothée Chalamet? Is that, am I saying that right? Timothée Chalamet. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Are you sure it's not Timothy Camelot, Jesse? I think it's Timothy Camelot. Uh, yeah, I think, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. <laughs> I, I have to ask, yeah. I have to ask a question. It's actually a sidebar. I got to call a sidebar. Woo! Sidebar. It's been a while. <clears throat> it has been. I think this one's necessary. So I have a hard time with Timothy Chalamet. I have a really hard time with him because I see him, I see his face when he's at the Met Gala. I see his face when he's giving interviews with Zendaya about whatever. I just see him in the world and I can't stand him. And I hate his face and I hate the way he says things. And he just really bugs me. But then he's in movies, right? Then he's in The King. And I go, holy shit, that's good. Or I see him in Lady Bird. Like, holy shit, that's good. I see him in Dune. I go, holy shit, you're so good. Little women. Oh my gosh. And I don't really understand what that is. And I'm wondering if I'm alone. Am I alone in finding him annoying when he's not in a movie? Okay. So oh. I, I recently found out he at one point put up several YouTube videos of uh, Xbox 360 controllers that he made himself. Yes. And I feel like that cracked him open for me. <laughs> I was like, I get who this person is. Like, I, I, I get why I kind of dislike him, because in high school, I would have hated him, but he's growing <laughs> up a little bit, so I don't hate him so much anymore. But I'm, I'm not, okay, yeah. I, don't understand, I still don't understand the hate, though, that's what I'm asking. You, you know, honestly, the, the Xbox controller thing, that makes me like him more, but I see his <laughs> face, and he has the most punchable face. <laughs> this exactly. dude just exactly. looks like he's the smuggest... <laughs> Freaky asshole I've ever seen before. <laughs> Absolutely, like he, like he would just brag about all the money he has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, he, talk, yeah. he talk about that. He talk about that that time that he was at the Sorbonne, you know. And you're like, just shut up, dude. No way, no yeah. one likes you. Or, or maybe he wouldn't. He would just make snarky comments about it, and then just mm. walk out the door acting like he's better than everybody else. That's what he looks like to me. Right. And so yeah, like, I, I hate him for that. I always kind of envisioned him in real life having the sort of character that he plays in Lady Bird. Yeah. You know, kind of like above it all and like doesn't give a crap about anything. They're just hanging out in parking lots smoking cigarettes. But he's really good. That's yeah. that's that's my issue. Dan, Dan, way way in on Timote. I think that I like I see what you're saying. I think the first scene of Dune with him, he's like shirtless sleeping on the bed. And he just he immediately looks like kind of a twerp, right? Like he looks yeah. like Somebody that you would not like in high school that everybody would make fun of in high school. But then you're right. He's so amazing. And he's like, 
I love the characters he plays so much that I've, I've kind of only seen him in movies. So maybe I don't have as much exterior distaste coming into the movie, but yeah, I, I definitely understand it. I, I also got to say before I looked up anything about him, I just looking at him, he looks like he's in the band one direction. Yeah, no, I told I could conf- if if I had never seen a picture of Harry Styles and someone pointed at Timothy Tal- Chalamet and said that's Harry Styles, I'd be like, well, of course, of course, it has to be. My sister in law is gonna hate this. <laughs> Ragging on Timothy uh, and Harry Styles. I, I, yeah, um, but, okay. but he is really good. I think we could all say like we've been ragging on his looks or whatever. But he even looks good in movies and looks good at, yeah, as does. in like the way he acts is perfect for the situation. So props to him for being a great actor. Yeah. He's probably a pretty nice guy too. Like people seem to like working with that. him. People like working <laughs> with him. He's in like every movie that came out this year. You know? This is true. This uh, is yeah. true. He's, he's, after in, hearing, he's, he's in three movies this year. And after hearing the Xbox controller, I'm like, man, maybe I thought too harshly of Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> you know? Was I too mean? Maybe. Was I too mean? Probably in my thoughts. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Timothy, whatever your name is. I'm sorry. Maybe that's also a part of it, too, <laughs> is the name. It's just, it's it's a lot. <laughs> the name is a lot. I, I'm on this too long. I'm on this yeah, too long. Yeah, we, we've been, yeah. we got to get off of this. All right, that's I just wanted to do not this. It was cool to see Aquaman in no, the desert. No, I haven't ended the sidebar. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> in the sidebar. Sidebar ended. But we know Timothy Chalamet because of all the things that I, I yeah. named. And also because he's he's in the French Dispatch and Don't Look Up later this year. Right. Um, which is going to be really exciting. And what a weird 2023 mm. for him because it's going to be Dune Part 2 and he's going to be Willy Wonka. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Of course, those things go together like <laughs> candy and sand. Paul <laughs> and Willie. <laughs> that's great. But then we'll just turn out that Willy Wonka is just one of Paul Atreides' visions. So okay. wouldn't that be something? I would love that. Um, we got a lot of people in here, though. I mean, we got Rebecca Ferguson playing his mother, Rebecca Ferguson from the Mission Impossible movies, from Dr. Sleep. Fantastic actress. We mm-hmm. got. Oscar Isaac from this year's The Card Counter, which I hear from Mike and Sir is not very good. It is he's very he is very good and it is very bad. Interesting. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, we'll check back in on that. But also Poe Dameron, we know we know Oscar Isaac. Yeah. Also starring his beard. Man, that thing is luscious. His oh yeah, that is, is really a great good. beard. Jesse, stop oh. trimming your beard so you can get that. I I have to. It just it gets uncomfortable. No, you got to get past it because he's he's at like a good kind of down the neck thing. It's a good length. You got to. Come on, for us. He his is like flowing though. He's got that Spanish like flowing. Uh, you know. Yeah. I think Jesse could do it. I think you could do it. Maybe I try could. it. I don't know. You know who can't do it is Josh Brolin, who's also in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he can. And he looks grumpier and bigger than ever. Also a frequent collaborator of Denny Villeneuve, also in Sicario. Yeah. yeah. But also, you know, Thanos. Yeah. Also the protagonist <laughs> from No Country for Old Men. This is true. This is true. And, and yet again he faces down. His nemesis, Shigur, Javier Bardem, in this movie. Yeah, yeah. playing the leader of the Sand People who spits yeah. as a sign of respect. <laughs> Josh Brolin, because he forgot what movie he was in, tries, tries to kill him. Yeah, he's having a flashback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, be, and because we mentioned him a lot, one of our favorite dad actors here is playing another person that looks a lot like my daughter. 
Baron Harkonnen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because when my daughter is in a really big blanket and I lift her up, she's all chubby and like her, her head is here <laughs> and her little hands and then it just flows down in a straight line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say his name? It's Stellan Skarsgård. Skarsgård. I don't think you said Stellan Skarsgård. No. It is Stellan Skarsgård. <laughs> <laughs> Could you say that one more time? Stellan Skarsgård. It's been a while since we mentioned him. I think last time we really talked about him was in Pirates of the Caribbean 2 and 3. Yeah, listen back. I think Those he was in something between then and now. I'm, I'm Given sure. his track record, I think he's actually appeared on this show more than almost any other actor. <laughs> yeah, I think sure. so, yeah. We'll have to check back on that. We need to like keep like a big scoreboard of, of this and find out who gets the most mentions. So that at the end of the year, we can crown like most dad actor of the year or something. Yeah, someone get on that. Make that scoreboard for us. I, I would also like to point out that Jason Momoa is in this movie as Duncan Idaho, and that like as someone who's read the books and you know you envision people in your head, and sometimes there's just you hear casting for for characters. You're like, oh, that's so wrong, but. When Jason Momoa was uh, was brought up, I was like, "Wow, that's amazing! That's that was a vision in my head." And they brought it onto the screen. This uh, this is another reason why I really wanted to see this movie is just because of Jason Momoa. Not even that's the fact awesome. that he was Aquaman, just because he fit this weird image that they had. I kind of think <laughs> that Jason Momoa has taken the place of like the Rock Johnson, it, almost a little bit in the culture. Yeah. Like people are getting, a, myself included, are really getting a little tired of Dwayne Johnson's shit and his movies and his shtick. Yeah. But when Jason Momoa is there, I'm like, I don't know, I'm my guy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> See, he's like, he's more of a naturalist sort of yes. vibe. And like the whole culture is moving more that way. Yeah. Whereas Dwayne Rock Johnson is still like, you know, he's doing supplements and shit. Like, yeah. And, and he, but he keeps like yeah. being in movies. He's like, no, it's going to be, it's just going to be me. And I'm like, ah, I don't. You need more people than you. And Jason Momoa is smart. He's like, I need more people than did, me. Did you see Vin Diesel reached out to... <laughs> he photoshopped the picture so they're standing eye to eye. <laughs> called him little brother Dwayne. <laughs> it's fantastic. What? Fantastic story. It's not, not worth that. it. It's not worth anything. It's just an Instagram <laughs> post where, where Vin wants him back for Fast 10. And he's like, they had a big beef. And he's like trying to apologize. But it's in the most aggro backhanded way possible. <laughs> It's funny. I want to see The Rock lift Vin Diesel up and put him on a high shelf. <laughs> that would be really <laughs> But uh, last couple people just to mention here, we got Zendaya. It's funny she's so far down on the cast list because they really pushed her in the marketing, but she's only in this movie for about 12 minutes. It's a good 12 minutes. Yeah. But yeah. She's in this and she's like been a big part of the studio's push to get this into people's faces. But I mean, we know her. She was in Malcolm Marie earlier this year. She's also going to be in Spider-Man. What's, what's No No Way Home? Yeah. Yeah, it's no, no way. way yeah. Next month. Then she was in the other That's two right. Spider-Man movies, so. That about does it for people who are in the movie. Is there anyone else you wanted to mention, Jesse? Hans Zimmer. Mm. Hans Zimmer mm. composes the music for this movie, and I am a huge fan of Hans Zimmer in general. I think we've talked about him before, haven't we? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure we have. He comes up in a lot of movies, but I also really enjoyed the music in this movie, so I just wanted to shout him out, I guess. It's really good and very different from even the other scores that he's done for, for Villeneuve. You know, like the, the Blade Runner 2049 score is like very industrial. Like really, it smashes you in the face a couple times in a way that I wasn't prepared for when I was in the theaters. But this is, this sounds like different work from him. I, it doesn't seem like he's relying on just having like pounding drums in the background anymore. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. time it's people screaming at you. And yes. <laughs> <laughs> when, when I was watching this at home on HBO Max, uh, I like to watch the movies with subtitles, you know, putting baby to sleep, stuff like that. 
And the number of times that I saw the subtitle Lamentation Cry <laughs> go across my screen. <laughs> yeah, but it's different. Yeah, you're right. I did see a thing about Hans Zimmer talking about the movie, and he said that part of the reason it was so different is that he did a lot of like the post-editing just kind of in a room by himself. And Ooh. because of the pandemic and everything, he said that there was like thing more about like atmospheric attention rather than just kind of making it not that any of his previous works aren't amazing but that this one was a little more like meditative atmospheric kind of trying to make an environment rather than a film score that's yeah so yeah, instead yeah. of like trying to it's coordinate really a bunch of people he was like in his house just chilling just like thinking about dune and yeah. then like making a musical score for that that I'm kind of thinking sense. too, like, like in comparison to some of the work he did for Nolan, right? Like the Nolan stuff, there's like standout tracks, right? Like you remember the organ from Interstellar right, and the yeah. docking mm -hmm. scene. And you remember like the, the time from Inception, like he's got those big moments where the music is the main focus. And it never seems, it seems like a cool thing about this movie is how they just blend the music in. Like, as you're saying, Dan, it's, it's really about like forming a seamless tapestry and atmosphere of music yeah. where you're not completely focused on something that's stealing the show. It's the movie. Yeah. And I think he actually turned down Tenet in order to yeah. do this movie. So it was very yeah. much like a passion project for him. He and Villeneuve have been fans of the, of the Dune series since they were kids. So I think this was definitely coming from a soft place in their heart. Yeah. Right. That's it cool. sounded like it. It sounded like he knew exactly what he wanted. It's almost like he come up with this music before he even saw the movie. That's how it came across to me anyway. Oh, that Jesse just slyly saying wise things. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. Hashtag wise things. Hashtag wise things. Jesse says. <laughs> and uh, hashtag Vito says, that's all I have for cast and crew. But if we wanted to talk about some first impressions of this movie, um, you know, Mike, what did you think the first time you saw this movie? Oh, I uh, hated it. No, I'm, I, I did not. Um, so I went to see this movie in theaters on opening night, which with with Vito in IMAX. It was Woo! it was an incredible. Uh, it felt like I was a teenager again. It was like it, it was a ton of fun. Um, we went with another friend of the pod, Dave. Um, yep. Same Dave as we talked about before. Yeah. Same Dave, mm. not a different Dave. We do uh, have a different Dave. We do have Dave. we do have another Dave, <laughs> but the one. That isn't that one. Uh, <laughs> this is so <laughs> much clarification on who. <laughs> so that's my first impression. Yeah, I was just blown away, man. It was an incredible cinematic experience across the board. I selected the seats and I made a gamble because, you know, most of the theater was sold out, which was kind of cool. Right. But so there were there were two spots. There was like in front of the aisle and behind the aisle. And I made a gamble. I haven't been to this theater in a long, long time. And they changed the stuff. And I was like, you know what? I think that the seats in front of the aisle are about like eye level with the screen. I was wrong. We were definitely <clears> looking <throat> up to get the whole thing. So I'm sorry, Vito. I'm sorry, Dave. That uh, was my, it my was bad. Overwhelming. <laughs> it was overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was incapable of being had with how large and loud this movie was. I haven't stopped vibrating. It's been over a month or a month or something. I can't um, literally vibing the... with this movie. How big were the worms? My, my friend, I, I just, <laughs> when I say I was incapable of rational thought, it's because of the amount of sensory input that was going into me. <laughs> it was wild. Nothing could be seen or heard other than this movie. 
which is good. I loved it. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. Uh, you should go do it. I'm sorry that you didn't get that, Jesse. Uh, I did watch it just last night with my wife on the small screen. And one of the things I was most interested in was like, uh, how much did that just overwhelming of the senses have to do with my enjoyment of the movie and how much of it is actually there? And watching it, it felt like watching, you know, something like Star Wars or, or Lord of the Rings when I was a kid over and over and over again. It was, you know, it's smaller, but it fits in there, man. And the story is is incredible. Uh, still blown away by, um, like, cinematically by it. And I'm, I'm a huge, huge fan. I think I like it more after the second watch than I mm. did after the first, which is cool. Haven't had that experience in a while. Yeah, yeah. that's my first impression. What about you, Dan? Oh, wait, hold on. Well, star oh. rating. Ooh, star rating. Um, yeah. I think I gave it four. And did you did you lower it? I thought you gave it four and a half. I think I gave it four. Because well, I was going through like the movies that I'd watched this year. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, well. Was it as good as Limbo? Well, I, I lowered that to four as well. Oh, shock. Yeah, I know. Oh. I know. Yeah, I did lower it. It's just like, you know, there's some, I don't know. I'll, I'll publish my list eventually on Letterboxd. But um, but yeah, I gave it four primarily because yeah, it's not a full movie. We need we need part two to see if this is a good movie. I think that'll definitely come up later in the episode. Yeah. But okay, so. So, so yeah, four very, stars. Very, very positive. Super uh, positive. Dan, you hated this, right? That's why you, it's what brought you on today. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of confused why you brought me on just to hate the movie. But no. <laughs> I was looking forward to this for a long time. It's funny you said, Mike, that you felt like a kid again, because that's that's kind of how I felt leading up to this. Like I was I was in Michigan with my in-laws and I was telling them, like, I haven't been this excited to go see a movie that I haven't seen yet since like Lord of the Rings, like or maybe Dark Knight. Yeah. There are certain yeah. moments and it was kind of since I was in high school, like that excitement that I had going into a movie I hadn't really had that until this movie and so yeah going into it I was very very excited yeah I got a bunch of friends together and we went to IMAX and it was yeah very similar experience where I was just blown away very happy I saw it in IMAX I I like to think that it's one of those movies that will come back in IMAX like in whatever the anniversary is or whenever you know some sort of maybe when the second one comes out, they'll like release the first one. I, I bet you there's going to be like a watch party where you can watch the first one and the second one right after it in IMAX. I will, I will go to that. <laughs> yeah. Same here. Yeah. 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 So this was, this was a five star movie for me. Yeah. I, yeah. For me, it hit everything that I wanted it to. I was very biased going into it because I love Denny so much and everything he's done. So I was a bit biased going in, but I think my anticipation paid off and yeah, I, I loved everything about it. Did, did you read the books growing up or the book or is, is, is the book like something that you, um, you have a strong affinity for? Um, actually, no, I, okay. I read the first, so I've only read the first half. So I've only read what's in the movie okay. and I only read that in the months leading up to it. So okay, it was purely based on the director, to be honest, like that was the only yeah. reason I was that excited so that's really nice. cool. I'm curious, like, uh, yeah, that's really cool that it gets five stars. I, I read the book once long ago. I, I thought it was great, not because I read the book, but I know like other people are excited about it because of the book, especially. Um, yeah. So that's cool. I, I guess kind of rhyming with with both you guys. 
No, I was definitely blown away by the movie. I was definitely brought back to a, to a childlike state. Dan, you mentioned uh, The Dark Knight, and that's a really good comparison because I've been, I mean, we were supposed to see this movie last year. I've been waiting for a whole year, and it's been really hard to wait this long to see this movie. Even harder still as like we got closer and closer, you start seeing the tagline at the beginning, and then you're kind of like, oh no, so it's not, it's not, it's not a thing. It's not a whole thing. <laughs> and that definitely tempered my excitement quite a lot because I do like it when things be begin and then there's a middle part and then there's an end part. I really prefer that. And that does hold me back. In fact, so far it holds me back from, from rating it. Um, I don't think I should rate this movie because it's not over. It's very clearly not over. And it's not over in a, a way that the Fellowship of the Ring isn't, right? The Fellowship of the Ring, sorry. Fellowship of the Ring is more over than this is. The Fellowship oh. of the Ring truly feels like this is an end of a good chapter. There's a natural breaking point here. And it's where everyone's splitting up. The Fellowship of the Ring is literally gone. Um, the Two Towers is about the Two Towers, right? And then it just makes sense to me the way that that story is broken up. And for this, it, it didn't make sense to me on an emotional or a thematic level to break it where it is. I don't know what comes next, but I was really surprised that this was the end. And I was like, oh, okay, I, I guess so. I guess. But I loved everything I saw. I just didn't feel like I was served a complete product. Um, I didn't think I got a circle. I got a half a circle. And the half a circle was amazing and better than most movies' whole circles, but it's still a half. Um, and I really would love to see the second before I accurately judge this because I really don't feel like it's an individual effort. But what I saw was amazing. It really did blow me away. And it, it really brought me back to a, to a childlike place that I truly hadn't expected I would ever be brought back to. So it's, I think it's incredible for that. I don't know. Yeah. You, you, there was a lot of facial yeah. expressions for both of you. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely understand that feeling partial and also that the ending didn't feel like a third act that ended well. Like, I wonder if it has partly to do with the fact that the book, right, is three parts and that he actually covered one and a half parts mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. the movie. And so mm -hmm. if he had done only the first part, I think it, it would end pretty much when they're in the tent. Uh, yeah, Jessica I, I, and, yeah, I kind of like, felt like that. That felt like a moment. Yeah, mm -hmm. and that like if he had, if he yeah. if he had the the luxury, let's say, of making four movies instead of just three, or even three movies and not doing doing Messiah, I think he could have could have made that be a more obvious arc and have it ended there with the fall of the you know House Atreides. But so I think that might have partly to do with it, and and I definitely definitely see that. Yeah, like when when I had watched it, I had been expecting it because there's a time skip somewhere in in the Dune story, and I had expected the first movie to end there, which is the end of the second part, I think. And this movie ends right before that happens, so I was kind of taken aback when it ended. It's just like, what, what happened? <laughs> like I was enjoying this. Keep going. So like I, I, I think I get what you're saying, but like the the ten would have been a good. Yeah, with the fall of the House of Atreides, and it, it feels like the grand plot has come to a good point where you can you can stop things. Yeah, I, I'm gonna say I I don't think that works in a movie. I think it works well in a book, but like by that point, man, we haven't seen anything out of Paul, right? Like we've just seen him kind of be, you know, I don't know. He just help, he just helped save his mom. That's it. Yeah, but I mean, even there, like, we, we saw him, that's yeah, yeah we, we've seen him do, I, I guess we've seen him do something. He's like, we can tell he's brave and he's all that stuff, but I feel like getting that, um, that fight 
with with the Fremen and racing from the from the worm. Like those are those are important for my excitement about part two. Finally, he's doing some mm. stuff. Yeah, he's just not just not a skinny weirdo. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it was weird. Like after the fight, I was like, okay, we're gonna end here. But then, like we see them walking, and, and he has like, the looked... vision of the sandworm and the guy riding it. Yeah, he sees the guy, and I was like, oh, this is cool. But I was like gearing up. I was like, it feels like we've been here for a while at this point. But I guess we got another like forty-five minutes to go, and then it and ended. then it ends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, no. It's yeah. like, oh, oh, all right. All right. That that's kind of yeah. how I felt. Like I walked out, I was shaking just from the the, the it, overwhelming it nature of it. But I was yeah. I was still kind of like I, I felt like uh, I felt like my sneeze got interrupted. <laughs> you know, I yeah. didn't have a satisfying <laughs> sneeze. Yeah, yeah. So I, I guess when I first watched it, I yes, yeah, yes. That, tell, that, tell us, tell yeah. us. Yeah, that, yes, that's exactly yeah. what happened. Like I was enjoying it so much, and then and then it just ends. But like overall, when I first watched it, I, I can rhyme with. Most of what you got, y'all said. Like I felt like a kid again, oh, dude. When Gurney Halleck is charging with a bunch of like scattered Atreides troops, and the bagpipes start blaring on screen, and the big ships start crashing down, and he has that smirk and is like, "With me!" And then he like charge. Ah, oh, I haven't felt like that since watching Lord of the Rings. Like mm. when I was a kid, that was great. There were moments like that that made me feel like the kid again that I wasn't expecting, mm. and yeah, that was amazing. And then also that like smile he has on his face, like he is uh, so excited for his fight <laughs> to the death. Like, yes, we will go and die with honor. It's yeah, so good. It made me uh. excited too. It's just like, yeah, go die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like let just crash into those missiles, why don't you? Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That was so exciting. And then there's so many ships. Yeah, I, I got totally sucked in to everything that was happening. And then I think there's, you know, some slow parts in, like, the latter third when it's just, like, Paul and his mom and they're sort of doing stuff. But, you know, no, whatever. Like the I most was unexpected just... third act also. Ever. Yeah. Just, like, like, Paul and his mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, like, okay. <laughs> I'd, read this, I'd read the book, so I knew the general beats of the story. So it was just really exciting for me. To, and it's not like I'm a huge fan of the book. I like the book. I think it's a good book, even though Frank Herbert, I think, is not a good writer. I think it's a good story. And I think Denis Villeneuve is a much better director than Frank Herbert is a writer. So mm-hmm. like to see these things come out on screen is it's better than what I had anticipated it. But yeah, I ultimately have the same issues where it didn't really feel like a full movie. It just felt like I, I watched something and I was caught mid sneeze. <laughs> but yeah, I watched it with my wife, Liz, and Liz hates Star Wars and sci-fi in general. But she this loves it. The most infamous she, thing about really? her. I'm happy that she likes this. Yeah, she <laughs> loves awesome. this. And at the is end, it all she the said, politics. It, it's it's not even the politics. No, she doesn't care I about like that. I like the politics. It's not Jason <laughs> Momoa. <laughs> it might be Timothée Chalamet. She really likes him. Uh, but one? it's also she just a good she liked the spectacle, it's cute. the way everything looks and and feels, and the way it all it all feels new and like you're venturing out to to something that you've never seen before. Dragonfly and, helicopters, never seen yeah, that. It's rad. Never. <laughs> that is so cool. I know, but they're called they, But it's it's but a dragocopter. They, they they're basically helicopters. Yeah. And and she said at the end of watching this movie, I understand now why people like Star Wars. Which, wow. which is like, uh, that's a really cool thing. The fact that you can have a movie in a genre, like show you why this genre should exist. I think that's really cool. So this movie, I think is, is great for that. 
But then I also, I, I watched this movie a second time with Dan. And I got to say, my 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 opinion changed from thinking this is like a, a pretty good movie to thinking this is a great movie. Basically, Ooh. I enjoyed every minute, like Mike said, like even more. Like somehow I got drawn into every scene even more. And I didn't feel like it ended mid-sneeze all of a sudden. And in fact, I saw this beautiful, glorious arc with Paul and the way he starts and doing a complete 180 by the time the movie finishes. Like he starts out saying he doesn't want to be Duke. And his last line of the movie is sand power, which is a reference to, to his father um, and him kind of realizing that he's crazy cringe. I'm sorry. That line is just, uh, <laughs> like, with a, like desert power. I was like, Oh, oh. <laughs> it's, it's not the best, but it, it's at least a line where I understand what, what that last line is supposed to be. It's supposed to be like, he's referencing back to his dad. Yeah. Saying, yeah. I'm going to harness this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use this. And this is him stepping into the shoes of a duke. And he has just made the decision to not go back to his home world. Instead, he's going to go against his mom's wishes. And he's rebelling against literally everything that had happened before. And every thought he had had before. And taking on every mantle he didn't want at the end of this movie. And it felt like... Mm-hmm. It, it didn't feel good, though. It mm-hmm. felt tragic. Like, when I first watched this movie, I was full Paul. Like I was just like, yeah, you rule, dude. You go, you 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 go beat that Baron. I don't like that guy. Uh, but then watching it the second time, it felt I felt kind of scared of him a little bit. And then also, I felt like he's going down a deep dark path. All right, another crazy thing that I noticed second time around that I hadn't even noticed the first time is that he has visions of some dude giving him advice, and that dude is Jamis, the guy that he yeah, ends up the, killing. Yeah. And then he has to kill this guy that he envisioned as his friend. Like, how, All right, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, gonna to have to break in, Jesse. I'm going to have to break in. We're, we we're going to have to move on to another segment, and we, we need to come we back are. to that. Yeah. We have to come we back are. to that. Because, but yeah, basically, I love this movie. This is a potential a place stars. that the conversation could be going. It's all a dream. <laughs> uh, things might not be as you dream them. You're right. So, but Jesse, <laughs> given given that, given given your, your coming around to this movie as a great movie, when slash if are you going to show this to your kids? Ooh. Oh, uh, probably not till they are like early teenagers, like okay. 14. And if I wanted to tell them everything that I saw in this movie and I wanted them to get that out, I think that's an older, older teen concept. Right. Or sorry, younger teen concept, like 14. Cool. That's good. How, how about, how about you, Dan? When slash if? When? Probably too early. Um, <laughs> like, like tomorrow. Like you've already watched it. <laughs> uh, no, I probably like, I like to think I'll wait until they're 12 or 13. I I love this kind of, we've related to Star Wars before. And for me, Star Wars was a huge dad movie growing up. Like my dad, I'll still remember the day, like he brought me to Hollywood video and, you know, we were grabbing Star Wars off the shelf and, He's telling us about this crazy guy that walks around and breathes weird. And for me, Star Wars is like a huge imprinted memory. So I like to think that this will be kind of that for for my kids, that I will tell them about Dune and kind of build it up. And yeah, I guess I'm just super excited to show it to them. And I feel like that's a huge part of being a dad movie is that mm-hmm. you're excited to show this to your kids. And I'm, I'm definitely I'm definitely that for this movie. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, um, Michael, 
your children, will you bestow this upon them? So I've been doing this thing with my kids since they were born where I try to imprint certain phrases from movies into them Yeah, uh, without having any knowledge of the movie. And so they're going to see the movie probably mid to later teens. Please tell me it's desert like, power. What the hell? Like, what's that? <laughs> Please <laughs> tell me power. you're just like desert power. <laughs> desert power over there. No. So for example, um, when my children like fall and scrape their knee, I say, you know, why do we fall? So we can pick ourselves back up, of course. Yeah, Obviously, yeah, why else do we fall? How many parties have had to hear this at? <laughs> they say it. I say, I ask them, why do why do we fall? And they so, so we can pick ourselves back up. I think that's a good thing. It's very I don't cute. know. It's very cute. I don't. I don't know. Um, it's fun. Uh, but they're gonna figure it out when they're like fifteen or something. And be like, Dad, you're an idiot. You took that from <laughs> Batman Begins. <laughs> <laughs> like, heck, yeah, I did. I've decided there's uh, there's lines from this movie that are going to be imprinted in our family culture. Came over here to Vito's house today, and leaving home, my daughter asked me if I, when I came back, I would stick my head into their room just to say hello. And I said, of course I will. And she said, do you promise? I said, I promise. Listen, we're foresights. There is no call we do not answer. There is no faith <laughs> that we betray. And she was like, that's cool. All right. <laughs> She went off to bed thinking that I came up with that. Line. Yeah, yeah. And I'll let her live with that for a while. But, uh, but yeah, I can't wait to show. She's like, dad, 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 they stole your shit. They stole your. Like, what? What is that? Daddy, villain, you? Like, are you on call? Like, your podcast or something? Like, did he call you guys and get that? You know, she'll probably just say, "I really identify with the Detroitis for some reason." Exactly. So I'm going to show this to them as soon as I possibly can. I'm guessing that's going to be. 12, 13, 14, something like that. I, I, I don't know for sure. I think probably a little, probably teenagers. It's sort of violent. Um, but it's really cool. Like, there's nothing really, I don't know. It's way less violent than Lord of the Rings. It's, that, it's that not untoward, sure. you know? It's not like there's not There's beheadings stuff. in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. I really like that. I really like that. Oh, I like beheadings, but yeah. also, <laughs> like, there's not, there's no, like, it's not super duper violent and it's not like super sexual at all. So it's, it's a candidate for sure. No, I, I, yeah. I totally agree. I think definitely like 12. I think actually it's actually been hard for, for me and my wife to not just turn this on when my four year old's around because so much of the movie is so atmospheric. Yeah. So much of the movie is, is while awe inspiring, once you sort of get your way in the world and you understand like how big things are, it's amazing when you take your sense of scale in the real world and bring it to this movie uh, and you're like, oh shit, that's huge. Um, <laughs> and I think that kids could really, can really bring that. And the only reason we really didn't is because I think that as a child, this movie would be really boring. The sets are very sparse. The dialogue is very minimal. It's a brutalist architecture. Yeah. And it, it's kind of ugly sometimes. Mm -hmm. it, it, the movie isn't ugly, but the things you're looking at are ugly and unpleasant. And it can feel a little alienating, whereas something like Star Wars is very, you know, welcoming and, and, and nice. But yeah, I'm going to say like yeah. 10 or 11. Like as, as soon as as soon as we do like Pirates and the, all the Star Wars, I think is probably like a really good time. When they're looking for something a little bit more adult, and then we could do Lord of the Rings. Never The Hobbit, but Lord of the Rings. Then we can kind of... Then unless at that like, point, all three dudes like, will be out, so... Unless it's like the cartoon <laughs> Hobbit from back in the 70s. That one, that one, I'm just like, I'm waiting for the, like, it could be any day now. I'm going to drop that thing right in my daughter's lap, just like my parents did with me. <laughs> and I will yeah, not know I, what to do with the cartoon <laughs> Hobbit. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot that movie existed. Yeah, yeah. I should have showed that to my kids. They've listened to the yeah. audiobook and they love it. 
I mean, nice. it's it lives it lives up to the book perfectly. It's really creepy and awesome. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm just gonna say that. But I am just gonna skew a little bit younger. But uh, I, I'm pretty fluid. I just want them mm. to. I want them to be in a place where that where I'm not looking at them and they're kind of like looking at other things. You know. Yeah. Where their attention is on it. Yeah, cool. I I, w- I was happy that like out of all of the movies of Villeneuve, this is like the, the earliest one I can show them. Like. Like Sicario, I love. Not yeah. going to show that to him for a while. Um, yeah. <laughs> even Blade Runner twenty forty nine, like I love that movie, but it's got a lot that's, of stuff. That's in an it adult that's movie, very yeah. adult. Yeah, those are just really depressing, and it's very de- yeah. <laughs> so I was very happy to be like, now I have a movie that's like entry level Villeneuve. Are you not going to show Prisoners to your kids anytime soon? Yeah. <laughs> Where are they? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to show that to my wife for a while. <laughs> uh, yeah. Or other rules. Yeah. Um, no, we, we had a date night with that movie. That was, it was not a good time. <laughs> <laughs> it was the worst date we've ever been on. Wow. <laughs> maybe, maybe I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But I, oh, I love, I love prisoners and, and, and my wife does too. Um, I'm sorry that Liz didn't, didn't love it. The first conversation that Vito and I ever had was about prisoners. Actually, yeah, that's true. I don't remember it that's at all. That's true. Yeah. That was weird that I asked you about that. No. I don't know why I did that. You were just sitting there minding your own business. <laughs> we had a great conversation. Hey, I would you I torture thought. somebody? <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'll, I'll share it after the pot. I'll share it at the pot. Okay. So basically wrapping up kind of everything we've been talking about with Dune, what this means is like for all of us, this is a big recommend. And from here on, we're just going to be talking about the movie and and really what we thought. But this is our first impressions. We are going to show it to our kids, all of us. And we're all pretty excited to do so. This is a pretty hearty recommend for all of us. So we've actually kept like fairly spoiler free, weirdly, yeah. um, in this. Like we just mentioned a couple things. If you're still listening, please stop and go watch the movie. Um, otherwise, uh, we're coming into our, our favorites and least favorites section here. All right, Dan, could you give us one favorite thing and one least favorite thing? I would say my favorite thing is the invasion sequence. Oh, there's, yeah. Like there's yeah. so much that happens in scenes back to back that I just, I love every single scene. I love the scene of the, you know, the fight on the stairwell where there's mm-hmm. the Atreides guys and they're, fighting against the Harkonnen troops. And then it's yeah. like, it's kind of a, like an analogy or a symbol of the whole betrayal is the Sardaukar warriors come down behind them. Right. And you, you realize why they needed them in that moment of like, they needed someone to come from behind and destroy the, the house of Trades And, yeah. and you also hear the, the Bene Gesserit sound of like that high pitched, kind of witchy sound in that mm-hmm. invasion, which also yeah. kind of implies their, you know, how they're kind of orchestrating it all in a weird way, like behind the scenes. Well, um, yeah, because she comes in and tells the guy you can have the Sardaukai. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and the, the cone of silence. Uh, the... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, the first thing I thought of was get smart. I'm sorry. <laughs> so yeah. I, like, the cone came down. I was like, oh, get ah, smart. Okay. I've seen this before. <laughs> yeah, actually, shout out to Let Me. He was the one that, that made that joke first, but I did think of it Ow. during the movie. Um, <laughs> Punk ass. Yeah, everything about that. And I kind of, in the book, that moment is kind of the catharsis of the of the third act in the book, I think. And so I think that's another reason why 
if it had ended with, you know, guy, I know this is going back to what we were talking about earlier, but if it had ended with, you know, Paul and Jessica going off into the desert, almost like the end of the fellowship of the ring, I think it kind of would have felt like you had some closure of like this entire betrayal. And uh, in the book, there's a lot of like foreshadowing of this big treachery and deception. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot put into the, uh, who the traitor is. And, you know, um, so I think that, yeah, I think that's why I love that scene is, or that series of scenes is that it, it did feel like the most catharsis piece of the, of the movie. Yeah. And then what Jesse said, the, the scene of the, them running into the fight with the, the bagpipes, it's just amazing. Like, I feel like, yeah, I feel like a warrior down there with them in that moment. It's just really great. And then an, also like the CGI in that scene of the, the bombs dropping on the ships. It's yeah. very clever in like showing that these shields are there, but they drop these like slow moving bombs and it yeah. like implodes and then explodes. And it's just like yeah. every, every, I feel like every moment in that series of scenes was really like a lot of thought was put into it. So yeah, most favorite I think would be that, that part of the movie least favorite. I think the, perhaps the intensity of the movie was a bit much like it kind of felt like there wasn't much time to breathe. Um, oh, yeah. Like the intensity was kind of dialed to 11 the entire movie. And I liked that, but you, you know, we've mentioned a couple of times, like coming out of it, you felt like you're vibrating. I think it's because there weren't, there weren't enough scenes of like just them talking in silence, like Hans Zimmer's music is playing almost in every scene. And if there was one thing, I think, I think if it was a little longer, but with some more breathing time, I think it would have felt less like overpowering. Yeah. Mm. Like every line has to be epic sounding. There has to be almost a catchphrase every time or shouting every time they're right. Every time they're talking, there's no quiet moments. It's funny because there are quiet moments, but even those seem intense. Yeah. Like when, when Leto Atreides is like laying down with his wife, it feels like nice and peaceful and you know, something really bad is about to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. And is like, that I, like vibrating bass the whole time, like in the background is just yeah. constant. And I, yeah. I want, yeah. And actually it's funny that, that Eric Roth is someone that's credited on this because like, if you see like Munich or the curious case of Benjamin Button, those are slow ass movies. All right. There's a lot of intensity, but man, those things breathe. Like, almost too much where you kind of forget that there's a movie going on and you're like, you're like where's where's the plot at what are we what are we doing because we're kind of sitting here for a while but then john spates right like he's his his movies are like moving like prometheus moves we are not sitting around at all and i feel like denny is kind of in the middle of that because his movies always do they they feel like they move well but in the case of later in 2049 there is a, a good breaks in there and I, I guess i'm thinking back i definitely felt like this movie was long i felt the length of it but as you're as you're saying it i am thinking yeah the intensity was always there which helped me get through the lengthy beefy running yeah, time because cool. there's not a ton of set pieces um you need to keep some momentum up and i, I yeah especially the first time through when i didn't know what was going on i was like oh what Oh, House of Trades is falling. I shit. I didn't know we were doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just started I to thought, like those guys. <laughs> yeah. I did. I, I was like, Leto's cool. We got Duncan here. Like, we're getting this stuff together. <laughs> yeah, the Harkonnens totally crippled the operation. Like the Emperor's really screwing everyone here. 
And then, and yeah, then they, they got lost. that nice like judge at the change or whatever. She seems to be okay. She's like, win her over. Yeah, will win her over. Yeah. Nice. I, I thought this was about them building happen. Dune, but no, it's, no, it's not about them building Dune. Nope, it's how Atreides falls, and then we just got Paul. Did you, okay, yeah. did you guys see that that John Mulaney and the Sack Lunch Bunch on Netflix? Uh, his little special he did. Yeah, I have Dune? no idea how he. No, no, it's no. it's a no, it's a little oh. special he did. But I'm thinking about the specific song that he did about his his grandma's boyfriend. Grandma's got a boyfriend, and her boyfriend's name is Paul. <laughs> and that's all I was thinking about for most of this movie. Every time they said Paul, I was like, "This is really strange. Your name is Paul." Interesting. <laughs> I, I don't like. That I just you wanted put to that share that. My mind. I, I just really wanted I, to share that. I I, yeah. I did read a comment on Reddit that made that same point. They're like, "How do you birth the?" whatever this mess- messianic you know the one basically <laughs> and then you name him paul you know? <laughs> well, it's, it's the same guy who named a, a character duncan idaho i mean <laughs> duncan <laughs> potato <laughs> okay you know what i'm gonna defend that name i'm gonna you defend don't, you that don't, name you don't, you don't need I, to. I wanted to, okay duncan is an ancient scottish name and these people <laughs> clearly have some celtic descent um oh. so duncan Ancient is this your favorite thing? About Scottish the name and <laughs> Idaho. Like, imagine ten thousand years in the future. Idaho is probably a legendary land that they're like. My people came from Idaho, and like, oh, you're you're an Idaho Scotchman. <laughs> oh like, of course, God. your name you, is Duncan. You Idaho. must have owned potatoes. <laughs> yeah, you probably discovered potatoes. Are you are you from the land of Idaho? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, it, I feel like it makes sense for like a, a working class sort of like big meat and potatoes guy to be. Den- Denny said very there, very similar thing. There are also shirts that are the Dunkin' Donuts logo that say Dunkin' Idaho that you can get. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought he was probably was like cool. sitting, you know, writing. Well, <laughs> going, going going then then from Dan's favorite and least favorite. Dan's favorite is the the fall of House of Treaties. Least favorite yeah. being the the pacing or the intensity of the film. Mike, so your favorite thing is the fact that there's a character named Duck in Idaho. Uh, <laughs> yep that's it no that's what you uh, that's what you burned it on <laughs> no what is your um, favorite thing? I, you know i was gonna say those bombs man those bombs were really cool i was fascinated with them that just to add on to gush about that scene is just they give you so much of an idea of what's going on with the technology in this world ten thousand years in the future it's, it's so cool but i think i'm gonna say my my favorite thing is I don't know the relationship that Paul has with his dad. That's a good relationship. It's it's very cool. It's it's free from like cliche trauma, and you you'd expect yeah. there to be some of that, but it's like actually pretty honest and man to man. Like I know this feels overwhelming, but it's going to be okay. Yeah. Well, and also, I mean, like he has that line where he says, you know, if you decide basically not to pick up this mantle, you're still everything that I ever wanted you to be, and that's yeah. my son. Just the the relationship of all these men in the House of Treaties, you know, Duncan Idaho and Bernie Halleck and Paul and Duke Leto, like they're all, um, their relationships are ones of respect and honor, respect built out of honor. And it's, it's refreshing to see that. I feel like most of the time what we end up seeing is movies about places where that has not gone well. Relationships with parents and fathers have not gone well. Yeah. It was just, it was good. It was like building... Duke Leto especially, you know, trying to teach his son to be a good man and loving him and that meaning, you know, respecting him and and uh, being like, hey, you're going to sit in on my councils now. You know, I'm going to guide you in the ways here. Yeah. I thought that was really, really cool. 
something that I definitely want to take away from it. And part of the reason why I uh, I want to show it to my kids is, is because of that. Hope, hoping yeah. to foster that sort of relationship with my own children. Yeah, I think that's really cool. Yeah, with the whole Atreides, I totally buy them. You know, like yeah. in all reality, I don't think they should be that much different from the Harkonnens, right? Like they're just another house with another fiefdom to take care of. Functionally, they do the same things. Like they have taxes and they rule. But no, these are just really good people. Like I'm rooting for them, even though there's no other aspect about the Atreides that that should make me like them more other than the fact that they just seem to be very morally upright people. Yeah. That's hard to pull off, I think. I haven't felt that way about people in a long time. Yeah, to get fully behind the the vision of a kind of a, of a business almost, right? Business yeah. and a family together. And and as someone that that does work in in facilities, um I can tell you the pain of seeing a perfectly laid plan of how we're going to get a facility up and up in order. And like, we figured it out, like we're dealing with the issues, but there's a, there's a utopia in the future. This is going to be built up and, and it's all blown up now. Oh, oh, they blew it up. Okay. (laughs) All right. The actual disappointment when I was watching the movie, I was like, Oh, I feel that that really sucks. Like all their plans. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) And they're dead. (laughs) (laughs) Also, but the plan. (laughs) They were going to get those containers up. They were going to get the spice. They were going to fix all the shit. Exactly. They were going to make extra money, but they're going (laughs) to teach the workers that they have value. You know, they're like, no, get off that thing. You know, we're going to save you here. Don't worry about it. And then take over the universe because that was the next step. Oh yeah. Like Duke Leto is like, I'm a good guy. He's a good I guy. should run things should around rule. here. I should rule. That sounds like that sounds like Ryan George. Desert power. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, so that's your favorite. What's your least favorite? Oh, what's my least favorite? You know what? I'm gonna say some of the music. The music. I, I feel like maybe this is riding along with the with the intensity thing. But there were a couple of times watching it at home where like they used the music to punctuate like a line or a phrase. I can't remember what it was, but it was when they get to like uh, the group of, of Fremen uh, and mm-hmm. it's before Paul has the fight. But I think I think his mom says something and then it's like. Bruh! And it's just like, like I, I had to laugh. It was really it was, <laughs> yeah. it was really cheesy. Yeah, there um, was. <laughs> is it when uh, when he's fighting and she says, like, he's never killed someone before? There's a lot of no. screaming right after that line. <laughs> There's a lot of screaming right after that. That that was that was okay with me. Strangely, I felt like like lamentations are good there. Oh yeah, because like like he had that dream, and like the dream was about how you know when you kill someone, you kill yourself or something, something and like, like you're thinking about that while they're fighting. Like, wait, does he die when he like what's gonna happen? Sorry. <laughs> I like that. I really liked so much about this movie. It's really hard to find. Yeah. Maybe the 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 sand shuffle. Oh, the but sand I, that, shuffle that's, is ridiculous. That's yes. both like like my least favorite and most favorite thing about this movie. Yeah, that's right. Your, that's your that's your contrarian side coming. Yeah. Out. Okay. All right. I'm done. I'm gonna just like say things. And be like, but I actually liked yeah. it too, <laughs> dude. I also got to say my my favorite and least favorite thing is the music as well. Yeah. Because like there there was this one moment it it's made me cringe both times. It's when Jessica goes in to like interview housekeepers. And then there's that one lady and she starts screaming um, oh, yeah. because she's like, it's when you've been living with prophecy so long, oh, it's crazy to see it like 
revealed to you or whatever. But as she screams, the music also starts screaming. <laughs> and I just get like, it's like I get double punched in the face. It's like, this is too much. Like, I get it. They're screaming on screen. Yeah, there, sometimes they're screaming. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's, a, there's a little too much. There's a little too much screaming sometimes. There, it's a little too loud. But then the the music is so like it feels so well thought out and like you were you were pointing out like there's a Bene Gesserit like theme that happens. There's an Atreides theme. I I'm pretty sure there's a Harkonnen theme mm-hmm. as well, and they all kind of can intermingle at times, and that's really cool. The fact that you can have like all these different factions, all these different music, and all have it blend together mm-hmm. almost seamlessly. I it, that's super well thought out. I think that's really cool. I haven't seen something like that in a long time or heard something like that in a long time. Because in in most movies, each character or the main characters will have their own theme. But in this, I think only Duncan Idaho has his own theme. Everything else is just house, like houses or like the Bene Gesserit have a theme. I didn't notice that. I guess it kind of pushes that clan or whatever idea. But yeah, and they're they're made in a way that can be kind of overlapping, which is yeah. Like I think we you you pointing out this out to me last time, but like when Leto asked Jessica to like watch over his son, not as Jessica but as a Bene Gesserit, and then both themes are playing at once, and the Atreides one starts playing a little louder than mm-hmm. the, than the Bene Gesserit. It's it's really cool. I I love I love stuff like that. I love digging into stuff like that. So that's why the music is also my favorite thing. <laughs> Cool. Double-edged sword. Yeah, nice. double-edged sword right there. It's Oh, also, favorite thing, swords. Yeah. Uh, that's, sorry, that's another favorite thing. The fact that swords exist in this crazy sci-fi universe, like, they, they kind of explain it with the shields, right? Like, it's like, oh, if there was a bullet, then it would go so slow, it wouldn't even do anything, right? So that's why those don't exist. So they, they have to use swords instead. That's awesome. Like, I just love a, I love a good sword fight. Mm-hmm. And, so and the way to kill someone with the sword is you have to, like, just kind of keep pushing. And yeah. Like look at them. In I think the eye I, think I like... made this joke when we got out of the theater, but I was like, every person that dies is like that knife death and saving private Ryan. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. That's the only way to kill anybody. Yeah. You have to really mean this shit, man. Yeah. Oh, all right. Another crazy thing that I really like the Sardaukar and their, yes. their green planet. They are so I, evil. They're so they're bad. So bad. I, I really like their yeah. like weird little like tattoos above their eyes. Yeah, like those are like like they're not like in a line, and I don't know if they're like what they are, but they're really cool. Yeah, it, that planet actually reminded me of the the end planet from um, Rise of Skywalker, like a lot to the point where oh. I was going like like mm. Dune is really reaching far into Star Wars, or vice versa. Yeah, I I guess so. I mean, yeah, I, I do see what you're saying. It's dog. like yeah. It's it's the cultish That's aspect. That's as accurate as anything you've said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, big wet planet that's dark and has like has like rocks everywhere. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Stealing right from Star Wars. No, then I Stealing said like, right from I meant, Rise I of Skywalker. Yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah, okay. I meant the other oh, way. Oh, oh, you meant that like Rise yes. of Skywalker is stealing from Yes, Dune. like 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 Dune's Dune's influence can be felt even so far up to the sequel trilogy. That Got that's it. what I mean to say. Okay. There's no there's no Mongolian throat singing in the oh. <laughs> yeah. This is really cool and really creepy. Oh, but and the bodies! So, oh my gosh! Oh yeah, horrible. the bodies were so. It was so terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but sorry. The reason why I thought Real of the starting card is that 
the Sardaukar are so bad, and the Harkonnens are so bad, and the Atreides are seem to be pretty good. And it's almost like this this idea that you have to like stab slowly at somebody and so consciously make them die means you have to be either in complete control of yourself and know when the exact right time is, or to just completely give in to everything that is wrong with you and create these crazy monsters. So I don't know, maybe this universe creates these sort of people, but it sort of makes sense to me. It's this dichotomy of people who have utterly control, utter control of themselves and people who are utterly lascivious or whatever. Yeah. That are beasts. Yeah, that are beasts, like the Harkonnen. Beast Harkonnen. Yeah. Do they say yeah, they, they named him right. Beast. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> and everybody is bald. Like, why is everybody in House Harkonnen bald? Aero, aerodyn- aerodynamics, man. You got to move fast. You got to be hairless. <laughs> <laughs> when I came home from watching the movie, I looked at, like, my son. I was like, hello, little Harkonnen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you haven't shaved all the way up. You know, you got to get into, like, fight, fighting shape. Uh, Let the air just flow past you. Well, in the original, it was, uh, they're all redheads, right? The Harkonnens, they're all... Uh, really? Yeah, they're, they're all redheads. Oh really? So I That's think a worse idea. Yeah, I think he's like, he's updating it to be a little more PC or something. <laughs> With being just bald. I, I just, just can imagine like an army of Ed Sheerans. <laughs> <laughs> that's, pretty, that's pretty terrifying. That is pretty not terrifying. in the right way. <laughs> like, it's more disturbing, just... but I'm not scared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Still run away. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I'd run. <laughs> yeah, I would. Uh, wait, Vito, what yeah. is your favorite and least favorite thing? I'm gonna start with least favorite. Least favorite is the humor. Oh I yeah, think, I think the humor out. in this movie is bad. What? I think you don't think it's bad. hilarious when he spits on the table. Um, kind of, but it doesn't feel like it belongs in this movie. Um, it feels like every time they made a joke, it doesn't fit with the tone, because Villeneuve's movies are not very funny ever. Actually, they're they're very they're very serious. They're very grim. There's there's barely levity, and smile, it's smile, Gurney. It's something like uh, yeah, like smile. Marvel, where you get these sort of offhand quips, and we're used to that at this point. We've been trained over the course of twenty some movies to accept that that's how those movies work. Mm-hmm. But in this one, when there is humor, it feels it feels incredibly forced to me. And additionally, it doesn't feel like the actors on screen doing the jokes are very comfortable doing them. Like the the bit where. Duncan Idaho is telling um, Paul, like, oh, it looks like you bulked up a little bit. Paul's like, really? And he goes, no. I go, well, okay. I guess that was a joke. I, I, I see there was an attempt at humor here, but that kind of annoyed me. Like, it didn't need to be there. It just lets you know that Duncan Idaho is the only one that has a sense of humor, like, in this entire planet. Uh, yeah. He's the only one laughing at anything. But then again, I don't know why that is. Like, why is he so damn special? They never talk about it. So in the end, I, I ended up being more confused at the presence of humor than if I had been, if there had been none. Because I, I don't think it needs to be here. I don't think you need to make this lighter for any reason. It's, it's a it's a pretty unsettling kind of story. You know, you go from the water planet, his home, to the new desert planet where, you know, there, there could be, there's danger literally around every corner. You don't know where you're at. You don't know the intentions of the people that you're set up to rule. Like, this is kind of serious shit. And then there's the betrayal from the emperor and everything and the, the fall of your house. And so it doesn't seem like humor really has a place here. If anything, the only humor that really worked for me is the Fremen humor, because that isn't really meant as humor. That's straight up. You know, like I, I got a little giggle when when Zendaya hands off the knife and is like, you know, you'll be honored to die with that in your hand. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, was that's actually pretty funny. That's really OK, funny. that's a good line. Yeah. But it also meant something that was beyond um, just a joke. Like but, she, she straight up meant it. Like- yeah. And that's why yeah, it was yeah, funny. Yeah. And it worked because it made sense in the movie. 
as opposed to where Paul walks into the meeting room. Uh, Paul walks into the meeting room and then Gurney is like, oh, look, catching hunter killers with your bare hands. And everyone's like, ah, ha, ha, ha. And he's like, thanks, Gurney, as if it was an insult for some reason. And I don't understand this interchange at all. And then everyone's like, I just didn't get it. When they acted like human beings, I had a really hard time because they didn't seem, it didn't seem natural to them. I, I, there's a, there's an operatic story that's at play here. And the little moments of humor didn't seem to have a place here as they would in something like Star Wars. Um, in Star Wars, it made a lot more sense to me. The tone was there. And this did not have a tone that I felt was conducive to that, that kind of humor. My least favorite thing. I, I, I'm like, glad you liked it. Like when you yeah. say humor, like I, I'm a little confused. I don't, I, yeah, I would never have, said that this movie really had humor besides the one spitting scene. Like I didn't even see it as like an attempt at humor at all. I thought it was like in movie humor, like they were all having a good time and I was not supposed to laugh at it. That's how, that's how I took it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even then I was just annoyed that at, at its presence, because if it's not there for me to interact with, why is it there? You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, I almost wonder sometimes if, because of like Blade Runner 2049 was such a box office disaster. And like the second part of this was not confirmed right until it came out. And so I almost wonder if like, and this is me, the, the biased coming out, but I, I wonder if Villeneuve was like told to add some of this stuff to make it a little more oh, yeah. palatable or like, you know, Marvel does it all the time and they they're making billions. Like, throw in some humor and people will, you know, like it a little bit more. So I, I actually agree with you on the, a couple of the the jokes. I laughed at them. I thought they were funny, but also I was like, I've not laughed for about an hour into this movie. And <laughs> like, I don't, yeah. Like, why do I need to laugh now? Like it wasn't a necessary element. I mean, if, if they had like a humorous character, I think it might've felt like, and I think Gurney in the book is a little more of kind of like a court jester type where he's mm. like dancing and singing and do kind of oh, like that's enter, weird. entertaining or I don't know about dancing, but he he's, sings a lot. Yeah. He, he carries around an instrument, I think. And Oh yeah, really? Like, yeah. He's like a minstrel, right? What? Like in the movie, yeah, he's constantly different in the book. Most yeah. of his lines are him quoting something. Yeah. Like, yeah. So he goes around like, because he knows all these songs and all these books and then he sings them. To people. Oh, okay. And that, that scene, makes a little more sense. Yeah. It's really weird when Paul says, like, I don't want to, I don't want to fight, like, sing me a song, Gurney. In the movie, that line, I think, totally doesn't make any sense. It falls, yeah. In the book, it no. totally makes sense, because he is, like, singing songs and poems and stuff all the time, because he's, like, a minstrel. Yeah, so that, yeah. that was something, I feel like... What, Dune breaks out into song about as often as Lord of the Rings does, and also, what? Dune the movie breaks out into song just as much as Lord of the Rings does. <laughs> very good that's funny wait does he is he also like because he's what he's like the general in the movie right like he seems to be in charge of the troops is he also in charge of the troops in the book it's been so long since i think so okay yeah i think he is where's, I where's think... the spin-off the singing general yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's Patton, but with some more dancing yeah Patton, yeah. dancing. i can't even remember the, what his role is the gilbert I... and sullivan song <laughs> I, I remember him like talking to like fighting with Paul. Like there's a scene in the book where he fights yeah. with Paul and like, he's kind of espousing stoic philosophy. It seemed like, and I, I, I haven't read Marcus yeah. Aurelius's, uh, what's it called? You do love Marcus Aurelius. 
name's just really I think, cool. I think it's the second time on the pod that you got Marcus Aurelius you know? and Stoicism. <laughs> well, sure. okay, I mean, like, this is straight up Stoicism. Like, know, but it's, like, quotes that are pretty much straight up from him, like, in the in the book. Yeah. It's just straight. Yeah. I didn't think that he was a minstrel when I read it. Like, a, a minstrel is someone who's, like, not a serious man in my... In my yeah, he does both. You know. I, I don't... I can't okay. remember what on earth his role is. It's whatever his role is in the movie, too. Okay. Which seems okay. to be a bodyguard and a general of some sort. Like well, I, I think I'd actually, him... I'd actually like to dig into that. Maybe maybe we can dig in like right yeah, now. Let, let's, let's ask the move. question: How faithful is this to the book? Because it's starting to sound like to me there are significant differences. He leaves out a lot of stuff, which cool. I think is is really necessary. And then he adds a few things in necessary to leave out. Or... Yeah, okay. I think so. Well, at least like one of the most memorable scenes from me in the book is this the dinner dinner table scene where as soon as they get to do, they have all the different people come in and there's this really intense dinner conversation that happens. All these different factions are basically letting the they're letting the Atreides know what they want. And then the Atreides are slowly trying to figure out. And then Jessica is like definitely moving around this whole thing. And then there's a whole like, is Jessica the betrayal of her husband plot that is totally not here. And it doesn't need oh, to be here. Yeah, yeah. The, so, I remember uh, spending yeah. a lot more time on the Hunter Seeker as well. Like a lot of time searching. Yeah. Maybe it's just like I spent a long time reading this book. It took me think, a while to get through. I think it did take him a while to find the guy that because in, in the movie, in the movie what is it like? Like three minutes? They're like, oh yeah, there he is. It's one second. <laughs> it's like it's, it goes yeah. from the Hunter Seeker to like, oh, here's this guy in the wall. <laughs> they must have hold. They must have like walled him in here, and they're like, oh yeah, my fault. I'll. I'll I'll resign. He's like, no, catch me spies. And then we never see him catch any spies. But yeah, I did. I, I actually did want to say this. This is a part of the, the the thing that I love the most about this movie, though, is is the leanness of it. Talking about what's in the book and what's not in the book is that I I, I appreciated, yeah. especially like a, as I'm going to continue hearing from you guys and I want to keep hearing it um, and how much it matters or doesn't is I really felt like I didn't need to know anything more about that's cool. This story i felt like it was streamlined i felt like it was easy it's it felt like butter and it felt like there wasn't mm. things that weren't there if anything it was just like every now and then a weird interaction like you mentioned where i'm just kind of not quite in step with the characters in every moment but that's okay yeah uh, i wasn't in step with characters in star wars in every moment and that was okay too it was amazing because it felt so clean and fresh and yeah. i was not prepared for that in the movie he does so that was my out. favorite thing yeah that's cool he does leave out like tons of exposition, I think. There's tons of little things you don't know, like the fact that those laser guns, if they come in contact with the shield, will cause a nuclear explosion. Never even bothers to mention that, which is why nobody's using him. But he has both of those things in the movie anyway. Yeah. Like, I liked how he did the exposition very, like, naturally, very. He did the whole show, don't tell more often than not, especially early on. And. I didn't realize how well he did it until I, I started to watch the 1984 one. And oh, the first, yeah. I think it's like 15 minutes of the movie. The first 15 minutes is just like exposition. It's just telling the story you're, you're leading complete, up to like, it. When I was watching, I was completely lost. I was like, I don't, what, why, yeah. who, yeah. I don't care. Too many names, yeah. this is dumb. And then Patrick Stewart and Colin McLaughlin fight in stupid blue suits. And I was like, I hate this. It sucks. <laughs> oh, I haven't watched past that scene you just mentioned. I, uh, I plan, although I plan to, because I do know there's a lot of love for that movie. Like, you do know? I do know this. Uh. Um, 
Yeah. Another thing I'll mention about like the faithfulness to the book, because I'm, I guess, a newly born fan of Dune. Again, I've only read the first half of the book. I have a buddy of mine that I work with and he's read like every book at least three times. Like he is a diehard Dune fan, extended universe, all the lore, everything. And he actually hated the movie. Yeah. he, He hated it because he said there's like, at least for him, there's like certain details that it totally botches certain things like the way the still suits are, or the fact that they fight in the still suits and things like that. And it was interesting to me because like, I, on the one hand, I, I disagreed with him, but also, I don't know, it was almost like I felt like that with movies. I felt like sometimes, you know, there were details that if they just done that thing, it would have been a nod to the books a little, you know, a little better or yeah. So that was interesting to me that even though it's such a successful movie and there are going to be multiple, you know, spinoffs and he's doing multiple other ones that a diehard fan of the books would be so against it. Yeah. Yeah. There are a thousand little things that he's leaving out. Like, I think one of them is like they, in the books, they always make a big deal. Like you always need to have your face covered for that still suit because it recycles your water and the water that you have is all you have when you're out in the desert. So when traveling for so long, you don't get a new input of water. So it's important that none of it escapes ever, especially from your mouth, especially from your face. And they're constantly having their faces uncovered. Like that is not quite faithful to the book, but like the, the heart of it is still there. I think the fact mm-hmm. that you need this to to survive in the desert, they make that clear. They don't get the particulars quite right, but even so they get most of the particulars, right? You still right. need to plug your nose. You still need to like cover your face. Basically, you still need to wear this black suit. I, I would be so annoyed if everyone had to walk around with like a fully opaque face mask on all the time. That would be yeah. annoying. It also makes like, for need, terrible you need movie. expressions. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like a bunch of stormtroopers talking to each other. <laughs> yeah. You can't have that. Like I, I like the fact that their faces are are there for the movie because like that makes for a great book, not a good movie. Mm-hmm. I think no, it's I a really good ex- example then of maybe what works with the book and the movie and what doesn't work for the movie, but does work for the book. And sort of turning that then, considering there's so much Dune that is out there, um, and apparently the studios are, are down for at least one more. Yeah. But there's also like the, the Bene Gesserit TV show that, that's being kind of created as well on the oh, side. Really? Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, oh, awesome. Denny, Denny's going to be directing, I think, the first episode of that. Okay, so, I'm on board. Yeah, I think it's a prequel. <laughs> I think it's, I think okay. it's covering some yeah. prequel nonsense, whatever. I don't know. You guys would know better than Am me. I going to get into this? Like I'm thinking, I think I'm going to get into this. No, you know, I wouldn't get into Dune. Yeah, I did, I did. No, I mean, like, no, oh. I, I've only oh, read the, the first book, but like, should oh, I get no. into the series? Should no. I be able to time it? No, 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 don't do it. It's I, not I, worth it. So, like, all right, I'm going to go on a tiny spiel about the books. So there are <laughs> six books written by Frank Herbert. The rest, the other like 15 or 20, are written by Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson. Kevin J. Anderson is, he did a lot of like the uh, young adult novels and some extended Star Wars universe stuff. Okay. Kurt so, Bell could probably tell those, us about that. Yeah. <laughs> those are all universally panned as it. garbage. So Shit. absolute okay. garbage. If you want the the funniest AMA I think I've ever read is it's on Reddit. Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson saying, ask me anything. And then like uh, just a bunch of comments trashing them being uploaded. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> being like, what if I was rolling in his grave? <laughs> yeah, I think one of them is like, 
how does it feel to be leeching money off of your father's work and to be pissing on his grave? Uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> it's stuff like that. Like, That's a loaded question. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's, it's uncomfortable. I, I didn't think about money. that. Uh, <laughs> so Bladder's just, empty pockets full, baby. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but in order to finish the story, you have to because Frank Herbert died before he finished the seventh book, which was supposed to be the last one. And then they finished it off in two more books and a bunch of prequels, dozens of prequels. So, like, uh, I don't, like, I don't know. It sounds like garbage. So, and if then you start I'll, it, you have to get through at least those two that are garbage at the pan- end of the series. Thing is, I I've read, I've read five Dune books. I will never oh. read the sixth. The fifth is just it was so bad. Oh really? Uh, okay. And they I think you got get, even further than Isaac, right? Didn't Isaac like jettison at number three? <laughs> I th- Isaac read one and two. You should read one and okay. two. One and two are are good, and two like it ties up the story. The first two books are kind of one, and then there's the third one, which is, in my opinion, was boring as all hell. The fourth one has more philosophical ideas front and center rather than a story, and then the fifth one is about. Like, what if people were really good at sex and there was a bunch of them out there? And what if a character that we all know and like is the god of sex in the universe? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. He's, oh, yeah. he's doing it. He's doing it. <laughs> Wait, so I feel like this this is a great way to go to our next big question here, which is how do we feel about this being the start of a new franchise? That's actually that's actually kind of what I was trying to build yeah. to is I, I kind of wanted I, I wanted to ask each each person individually like where do you want this to end mm-hmm. uh, mike since you and i okay. share you sh- you know the story a little bit more than me because you've actually finished the book at least once and i have not gotten past like page 25 like seven different times but where would you like this story to end you want you want the trade paul atreides and then you're out or or you want you want more do you want you want tv shows do you want no, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted with franchises. Um, I'm so sick of them. I like there's so many extended universes, and like, dude, I got one universe to live in, and then I'll die. And I want to experience some birds. I don't have enough time to like watch <laughs> fake could, birds all day long. Read about a bird. You <laughs> <laughs> can watch a video of a bird in the extended universe. A dune bird. Yeah, dune bird. I'm on board for like a core story, right? Like what I felt like wa- both walking in and walking out of this was Lord of the Rings. When yeah. I was mm. I, I was 12 or something when I went in to see my first Lord of the Rings movie. Like I, I went there opening night, you know, and I was fantastic. And I, I had a deep love for the books and I had a deep love for the movies. Mm-hmm. That's what I am very excited for about these. I also I don't remember the second half of this book, so maybe I didn't ever read it. I don't know. <laughs> so like my memory goes about as far as this movie goes a little bit further, but I don't know where Paul's story is going. Like I'm a little concerned about things. It doesn't seem like it's going to be amazing. It seems like something's going to happen and it's That's going bad. to be dramatic. I think it's going to be bad. Get, get in the feeling it's bad. Well, I don't know because the bad things that he sees tend to be good. But wouldn't the ultimate reversal be that they're bad? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Doesn't he invent Xbox controllers or something? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Except he bedazzles them. That's the with the spice. He bedazzles them with spice. Um, okay, so I, I think I also share yeah. I share that in terms of my feeling it as as the, the most neophyte doonster here. 
Um, but especially like, oh, yeah. I, I just want like I said at the very beginning, like I think this is the new dad franchise. Like, if we get to like God of Sex stuff, like that's going to be a little, a little falling off the dad franchise. I, I, I'm only wagon, here for Paul Atreides. As soon as Paul's main arc is done, I'm also done. Okay. I, I don't. I'm not interested in parents. I'm not interested in progeny. This one dude. It's all I care about because that's all I've been told to care about, and I really, I really dig him. Yeah. Now, yeah. If, if there was, if there was a young Leto yeah. Adventures, I might get into that. Might possibly. Is is there a book series about young young Leto Atreides? I have no idea. Okay. Like I said, I I haven't really, I haven't read anything, and I haven't gone there. But I would, I would see that. I, I want to see his bullfighter dad giving him advice. You know. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Didn't he say it was a pilot? A really yeah. good pilot. Yeah. And, yeah. And what was yeah. he? What was he in? There was in, a, in a different life, his name was Poe. <laughs> big trilogy about. Oh, did wow. he fight? I never in, made that connection. Did he fight in the Clone Wars? That's what did I want to know. How many of those dead people out there are clones? Does his father look just like him? Um, <laughs> no, but then, but then, from you yeah. two, you do, um, you know, you Dune buggies, Duners. Where do you guys want this franchise to go? Like I said, I'm not really a Duner. I'm not on board with this as a franchise. I like Paul Atreides and and his story and that's what i'm here for i'm not here for like what happens ten thousand years into the future i'm here for this the, the this great bit. grandchildren of dune <laughs> and I, I would also be down for some prequels you know there are some cool things that happen in the dune universe like there's something called the butlerian jihad which happened, <laughs> sorry which happened, <laughs> they they kill off all ai like thousands of years prior Sometimes oh, somewhere yeah, I on heard about that. Yeah, and there was that's a huge cool. council of religious leaders, and they've all decided it's against their religion to to have these AI. I think that's the story. I could be butchering it, but that sounds fun. I want I want to know about that and what led up to those decisions and why they're how this Terminator style like genocide of machines happened. So wait, so Skynet is also real. Uh, how, how about how about you, Dan? How how far will you will you travel, uh, Dune? I kind of feel like I'm in it as long as. Denny is doing it. I kind of, I know that's kind of a cop-out answer, but I think of like Nolan's Batman trilogy. To me, that's like the ultimate trilogy of Batman. And, you know, I like, I like Joker with, with Joaquin Phoenix and all that, but I kind of feel like for me, as long as Villeneuve is doing these movies, I'm going to watch them and probably love them. And the moment he stops, like, I hope someone you know, of equal caliber can come in and take them over. But unless that happens, I'll probably just lose interest right after he's gone. Yeah. That actually, I really like all of, I agree with everything that all of you said that that was, that was really cool. Like you were, cool. you were all saying stuff that I was thinking, but I just had not put into words that, that, that was great. But then I guess like using this as our jumping off point, is this a film or a spectacle? Jesse, since you since you were the one just nodding, is this a film or a spectacle? Tell me. Oh, for me, it's a film. I'd be mostly okay if there wasn't a sequel. I would say that that's a damn shame, and there definitely should be. But I I enjoy this just for the movie presented and Paul's arc and story that I've gotten really into. In fact, like I think this movie gave me a microcosm of the entire experience that I had, like the, of the best moments of of the Dune franchise. So I'm I would say this is this is a full film for me wow dan yeah spectacle i don't know i feel like with spectacle it's kind of implying that there's like something lacking as far as 
thematic elements or maybe it's lacking like a message or a, like a deeper meaning. Mm. At least that's what I think of when I think of spectacles that it's, yeah. you think like, it's, like transformers is a spectacle. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. wouldn't want to put this in the same camp as transformers. <laughs> right. I'm getting a spectacle yeah. for sure. A film. <laughs> or is it a film? It's not the criterion <laughs> collection. Film. I think got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or like Prometheus is a spectacle within the alien franchise. Maybe. Um, that's a bigger conversation. <laughs> <laughs> that might be. I, yeah, I think I'm with you. Spicy yeah. Dan with some spicy takes. That's right. Here <laughs> on the Spice Planet. Dan the Spicy Gentleman. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, so I think it's like, I think it's the best kind of spectacle in that it's like, it's such a well-crafted spectacle that I, it's a spectacle I want to go back to and rewatch and think about. And even if perhaps it doesn't have, you know, like deeper, like moral questions that I, I think that's, perhaps what is lacking, but I don't think of it as less for it. You know, like it's not, it, I didn't walk away like rethinking like in Blade Runner 2049, right. There's like this question of humanity and what makes us human. I didn't feel like that, or there were any questions of that coming out. It kind of just felt like a really interesting and epic adventure story. And I, I love that about it. And that's, that's kind of what I love about it. So I think it's a spectacle, but in all the best ways and everything I love about a movie that's kind of just, yeah, on an epic scale. I actually had the moral quant, the moral question, like come up for myself. Yeah. Like I was up to like 2 AM thinking about two <laughs> and like Paul killing his friend because he like, it was either his friend or him. Mm-hmm. And he, he tries to save him a couple, like three times. Right. And then he like just stabs him. That really got me thinking like he, he kind of knew it had to be this way. And he also knew what the alternative was. And to be in a position where you, where where you kind of know the outcome of your actions, like I, I would be so uncomfortable if I had to kill if I had to kill a friend or if I had to do something that. I mean, I appreciate that. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Sitting in the same room. I'd be super down. That sounds great. <laughs> I should lead. Yeah. <laughs> but it really got me thinking. Like, could Paul have done anything, anything to not lead up to that moment? Or was this him like having to accept something that was that was just terribly shitty in his life, and he, he couldn't do anything else? I, I don't. Yeah, because yeah. I remember in if I remember correctly in the book, his visions aren't just like a couple possibilities. It's kind of that Doctor Strange thing where he's able to see like every po- like a ton of possibilities. So you almost wonder, yeah, every time he kills someone, he's kind of making a decision <laughs> to go down this road rather than a different one and take a life, you know, rather than preserve it. And I'm sure there's some reason, but it's kind of, yeah, that that is kind of a darker, yeah, darker take on the, the visions and, Mm -hmm. and taking a life. Also, I, I just realized I didn't mention this before, but the seeing Jamis thing where he's giving him advice and all that, that's not in the book. That's very intentionally in this movie for some reason. Like when Jamis is, giving him info like he's the one that tells him to like let go and go with the flow of the sandstorm or whatever oh then, right 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 and then it happens later i can't remember what he says but yeah that that doesn't happen in the book he's not in the story until he fights him and then he's just dead and gone oh i that was actually like one of the most interesting parts of the movie for me i was like oh yeah. sweet it's gonna be a friend and then it's like that's not the same guy 
he didn't just kill that same guy. Wonder where that guy is. It's going to be his friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I had moments of disbelief. But wait, did did you answer? Is, is wait, you said it's it is a film and not a spectacle. Both of you, right? I think Dan said it was a spectacle, not a film. I, or or were, you, were I, you hesitant to say that because you didn't want something missing yeah. from it? Yeah, I think I I guess I don't see them as like totally separate or exclusive sure. and that yeah that i think of this as kind of like an epic film slash best part of spectacle that you can get a really really well-made spectacle or this, a, this question yeah. kind of feels like like film or movie you know yeah like there's yeah. there's some sort of designation but it's really really hard to get to it and there's actually a really good podcast completely devoted to doing that <laughs> cool but it's 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 really hard um, and I don't really know how to go about it myself okay. because yeah. It, yeah. It, it, it's spectacular. It's amazing. It's incredible. I love watching it. But I'm also... Uh, Spect. Exactly. 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 But I'm annoyed oh. also. I'm, I'm oh. irritated by it. I'm irritated yeah. that it's not it's not complete. I understand that it couldn't be. I wish that I'd been told that sooner. I wish that I hadn't been gaslit into thinking that I was going to get something that I that I didn't get. I know they kept saying it's only the beginning, but then I sat my ass down in the theater on opening night and it said Dune Part 1, which I never said at any other point. And it, it, it kind of annoyed me in a little bit. And it annoys me that I'm going to have to wait for this. And it annoyed me. Like when we walked out of the theater, I, I remember turning to Mike and saying, this is going to be one of my least favorite movies of all time if there's not a part two, because I would not be happy with just this. The hero's journey is not complete. I don't know what happens to the planet Dune. I don't know what happens to the Harkonnens. Like, I don't know anything. I am left with nothing. And until that second part comes, I will feel kind of mad about this. Because I think, I think when the second part comes in and these two are one movie, I think I'm going to call this a five-star thing. But for right now, I'm I don't have it all, and that's that's just deeply frustrating for me. So, it's it's a half a film and a hell of a spectacle, and I and I just want the other piece. Like like you said, yeah. Jesse, you've already you've seen this twice. I've seen it twice, and the second time just confirmed what I saw the first time. I don't like it any more or less. I like it a lot, but just I just want it to be over. I just want the ending. I want to know what happens. And I don't want to read the book. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see it in the movie form. I want to see what Denny does. Did, did you feel the same way, Mike, or do you differ? Uh, no. I mean, I feel like this is like the first half of one of those. Remember when we had the VHSs that were two part and mm. uh, and they were you always knew it was a big, important movie because it had two VHSs <laughs> and took up double space on your shelf. For Titanic, you nights. always just watch the second one. <laughs> I, but I, I think of Lawrence of Arabia with this movie. I think you know desert power and all that stuff. There's, I think there's there's some serious <laughs> parallels between the two movies. Absolutely. I, I can't wait for the second half. Yeah. I do think you know jury is a little bit out uh, because it, this is not one movie. Uh, this is half of a movie. We will see the second half. And then we can tell if it's a film or a movie. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll blow in my bubble pipe that, in, my, in my velvet smoking jacket. Yeah, that's just my opinion. Um, just Mike's opinion. Like I, yeah. I'm, I'm really glad that you guys have have gotten a little bit more out yeah. of it. Um, I, I, like, I don't, I don't get like the full story arc of Paul. Like I get that there's an arc there. He's moved forward. He has progressed as a person. He totally didn't, changes. And, yeah. and that's why I think yeah. that we really need to have like that scene where he fights the guy and he says no to his mother. He get is away from me. Yeah. And like, we need that. Otherwise Paul is a one dimensional character. Um, he's a child who is not uh, taking any steps on his own. Grandma's um, and that's fine. Like I, I, I could see how it works if it stops there. Well, it works really well in the book because you just turn to the next page. 
But if you stop there in the movie, you have to wait two years to see what's going to happen. 2023. And that's a really long time to keep interest in someone who hasn't done anything. I think he also does something, something else that's really big though. And it's earlier when he's talking to the professor woman and he says, and he's trying to get her to do like help them. He says something like I'm the Messiah, right? And then his mom's like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? But, and then he like just looks at her and he tells her something that's like really creepy. Like he's, he goes all Jesus on her and basically has peered into her heart and knows what she wants. And he says it to her in such a way that she understands not anybody else in the room, not even the audience. Cause I don't know what he really said to her. He says like you were, you were in love with a warrior and he is dead. Yeah. Um, yeah. You oh, in your like dream, several things. Your dream for Dune yeah. will come to fruition, which I I understand because I read. He doesn't the book. say that. He yeah. says, he says I have dream. seen your dream. He said, "I've seen your dream, and I will make it happen." Um, I think it's just I have seen it. Yeah, well, yeah, I can't remember if yeah, whatever. Oh, I actually do think that's intentional and and oh, really important because yeah, because I think that like I'm left thinking like, did he actually see these things, or is he just a really good bullshitter? Because all these things, it's kind of like a palm reader. It's like. Hell, yeah, yeah. Is, you could get away with this. Like, of course, she was in love with the warrior because she's like, you know, she's in, love, oh. she's in love with the Fremen. And of course, he's dead because they're all dead. Like, they die Fremen. young. They're Fremen. Yeah, this is a gamble. And he's it's, he's been trained in the art of gambling to manipulate. Like, that's, yeah. that's what it means to be a leader. But at I, the same time, it could be that he actually peered into her soul. Yeah, so it could be. Like, I don't know the extent of his powers. So like, I, I'm, I'm down for either either way yeah 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 and the, like the scene with jessica talking to the the housekeeper lady the reason that she starts to say it's the bringer or something like that about the knife she's like do you know what this is and she says a chris knife and then she says like it's a bringer and she doesn't even finish the sentence and the lady like screams or cries yeah. out in the book jessica's totally bullshitting like she doesn't know what is going on. She's just trying to basically like make this Fremen believe that she knows everything. And so she like at the one part, the fr- uh, they're about to put the Chris knife back in the sheath. And Jessica says, well, aren't we supposed to do something with it? And the Fremen's like, oh yeah, like we have to draw blood, which is like a big thing with the Chris knife that they didn't do in the movie. But there is that element that Jessica is kind of like BSing her way through it. But then Paul does actually have these visions and does actually know he like crossed his shoes and wore the still suit. Like he always wore it. He actually is the real deal in the book. Whereas Jessica was like kind of that fake Bene Gesserit, like superstitious palm reader type. Yeah. I haven't finished the book again. So I, I don't know if there's more to that or if maybe Paul is also kind of just relying on that, like intuition and the kind of guesswork, but in the, at least from what I've seen, he's the real deal. Jessica's kind of making it up. Yeah. yeah. Like, it seems like he's speaking truth. But then what also blows my mind is right after that, or maybe it's right before, he starts saying how he could possibly make a play for the throne. Yeah. Which is so bizarre. Because, like, first off, like, dude, you're in no position for that to happen. But also, like, the night before, he just had these crazy dreams where he was clearly looking down over, like, a war that was going on and started talking about temples being erected and his family's name. And it it almost seems like 
if I have to imagine what it's like to go down that path that you were just screaming about, it's to go be an emperor, right? And now to like actively say, oh, I, I want to make this happen. I don't, it, it creeped me out. It creeped me out a lot. It made me think that, yeah, he's not just a bratty boy. He's, he's suddenly seen something and we've seen glimpses of it, but he is now making decisions and he's now driving the plot forward. I, I, I agree with you. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a great point. Yeah, I think it's really cool because it does leave us dangling. We don't fully understand his motivations, but we understand that he is an actor. Or like he's he's a mover. He's a mover. He's a maker. Yeah. A shaker, a real heartbreaker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's about all the time that we have today. At least ooh, that, that's ooh, all that's ooh. about all the time I got. I, I have one thing that I thought um about that I thought they could do better. They say good luck. Like, why do they say good luck 10,000 years in the future? It should be like, may the spice be with you. Or like, <laughs> like go with the spice. Or Maybe they like, they like give, give each other like a really friendly, like, like butt squeeze. Yeah, <laughs> That's like, how we say goodbye like, now. Everyone's just like, may the gods be with you. Squeeze. <laughs> yeah. Good luck, squeeze. Like whatever it is, like there's gotta be something different in 10,000 years, right? Good luck. There's no such thing as luck. Yeah. I don't know, spit on each other's face. That's something. Yeah. Right? Share the, water. The, the fact that bagpipes, <laughs> the fact that bagpipes survived 10,000 years. That's the so bag, stupid. okay. Oh, okay. That, oh. that was weird. That, I, that I, took I had another right out of the movie. Right I, I had another <laughs> thought on that. This is the year 10,000. Yeah. No, 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 no. Okay, so this is something that I've probably told all of you, but not the podcast. Well, well, probably not you, Dan, because we were just meeting for the first time. But this is really cool. I, so, so you know how there's like a, there's there's the Black Irish, and they're the Irishmen who have like black hairs because Spaniards during one of the wars, their ships got sank and they landed on Ireland and they hid out there and then they became one with the the Irish, and that's where the Black Irish come from. But the opposite also occurred, and this is a little known fact. It was down in, in Spain. There were like some Irishmen who didn't know how to sail and they landed on, I, I think they were going to to America and they landed in Spain. Um, <laughs> but they crashed on this like small little coast. And uh, I actually, I know this because I saw a band who played this music. Um, there's this traditional music that's a blending of uh, the bagpipes and uh, traditional Spanish music. And it was really cool and weird, very disconcerting. Yeah, But I was wondering if, you know, maybe that was what was on Hans Zimmer's mind when he's, you know, writing the music for this house Atreides who's blending, you know, Roman, Spanish and uh, sort of Celtic ideals all together. Was that in Compostela that you heard that? I or? think it was. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, because that I was in Compostela and I heard the, yeah, the bagpipes and I was like, what in the world? This is Spain. <laughs> I didn't know the history That's behind cool. it, but it's because, yeah, it's it's actually a, like a Gaelic section of the world on the northeast or northwest part of, of Spain. And yeah, there was like That's a lot really of cool. Gaelic symbolism and like all, all the stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like with the House Atreides, they definitely went really hard on like, these are the Greek and Western, everything you know about Western culture. We're just going to kind of mesh it together which is kind of what sci-fi does, right? It kind of like, yeah. they, they imagine a future where everything's kind of evolved and meshed, like all the religious stuff that we know, Christianity, Buddhism, all this stuff kind of like meshes together. And I feel like they did that with the House Atreides, just kind of like throwing a bunch of stuff. I, to me, yeah. it worked. I kind of, I liked the bagpipes. I thought 
I don't know. It was like jarring. I dug it. But I loved it. Yeah. I, yeah. The only thing that They're I, always the only, jarring. The only thing that like, art, that's what the they did. Got was just a man spider. That's <laughs> all they got. And also they got no weird culture, pools. just a man spider. Weird yeah. pools what for is that? balsamic vinegar and olive oil. That's all yeah. it was. <laughs> the Harkonnens are just like, they are the part it's of huge. Western culture that it's nobody huge. likes. They're like, all right, we're making you your own <laughs> but, okay, section but, of the world. But I must ask, what is the spider? I don't know. I have no idea. Why can it talk? He understands. <laughs> what is it eating? I don't know. Are those hands? I don't know. I don't even <laughs> remember these part being part of like the Dune World lore. Like yeah. I just see a freaking spider. Like holy shit, what is that thing? There's there's gonna be a horror movie that's like a spinoff, <laughs> and it's just about the there spider. There should be. That's terrifying. Yeah. That's actually like like there's not a lot of creatures in this. Like there's like the mouse that has the water it catches yeah, with its the ears. Mouse is really cute. Um, but like it's actually pretty devoid of creatures. It's got yeah. the sandworms. But then yeah. this thing shows up and you're like, what? It looks like it belongs. It I, does, but then it just leaves. Th- see, I think it, like, that's another just movie thing. I don't remember that from the books at all. So it's like, I think he just threw something in just to throw everybody off. Like, oh yeah, here's this thing. I'm not going to explain it. <laughs> Creepy as hell. But it's hey, like guys. sitting around for a year like, my movie's missing something. What is it? Man spider. Yeah. Man spider. There we go. All right. It's ready to go. Ship it. We've never done 10 legs. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Before we say this, like, I forgot to mention one thing with what. Oh, you know that scene in the at the very beginning of the movie when they come down and they officially give uh, Leto the, the Dune planet? Like, yeah. I really like that scene in, in this that movie. And also scene. that's not in the book at all. But like oh. in that one scene, you figure out one that his general is really good at calculation, and also that this whole ten thousand year old universe works the same way it used to work in medieval times with scrolls and stuff. Like it's a brilliant, <laughs> it's a brilliantly orchestrated like piece of exposition that is really short and just added in there instead of like a lot, a lot of talking. I thought you said I squirrels, and I was trying to figure out how squirrels I, I, I almost <laughs> heard that, but then, then, it, then it ended with squirrels, and I was like, oh, that's right. Okay, don't stop thinking about squirrels. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. squirrels. Not just squirrels. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. squirrels. Although, I might have liked that more. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it just unfurled a bunch of squirrels. <laughs> I'm looking in their entrails, and I see that you... <laughs> yeah, he, he blinks in his eyes. His eyes go like milky white. Yeah. Well, then, uh, maybe starting with you, Jesse, is this a dad movie? Yes, for sure it's a dad movie. I think, I don't know, I think we've talked enough about about why I think it's a dad movie. And, like, I just, this is such a big, epic movie. I can't wait to show it to my kids. And I will love this movie for a long time. Dan, Dan, do you you agree? Yeah, I mean, there was a joke Stephen Colbert used to make about, you know, he'd say something like, George Bush, great president or the greatest president. And I kind of feel like <laughs> with this question, it's like, is it a dad movie or is it the most dad movie that's ever come out? And I, I feel like it's in that tier of like Star Wars, like we were saying in the very beginning, Star Wars, all the great epics, like this is, yeah, for me, this is like the epitome of dad movies. Wow. High praise, high praise. Do you, do you cool. share this praise, Mike? Tentatively, yes. But see, the thing is, this is the first half. Indeed. This is not a full movie. I will contend. I, I, I firmly believe this movie is not finished. Yes. And it's just a long intermission. And I'm very hopeful, you know, that after the second comes out, I buy 
the the two VHS set because I'm sure it'll be somewhere, and I will have that on my shelf. Wow. Like Lawrence of Arabia is there, you know, they're all yep. there. These are important artifacts. Mike just really wants to watch it in 480p. <laughs> really like, so do. Badly. <laughs> that was like, remember how you couldn't see stuff? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's the way that Denny Villain you really should be watched. Yeah. You really um, just want to make all those missiles just very blurry on the screen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. But I, I really hope it is fully, you know, we're going to come back here. We're going to be here in two years with Dan. We're going to talk about. I'd love that. Um, Dune part two or chapter two or whatever it is. And I, and I and will be able to say, is I want the 4k movie? disc where it's all in one baby. Yeah. It's five hours and I can watch the whole thing. <laughs> I, I, this is going to be a movie that's like across the board, a dad movie. It, yeah. if, if it sticks the landing, but it hasn't stuck the landing. I hate yeah. the fact that I have to caveat it. Yes. You know, I hate that too. Yeah. Yeah. So Vito, I agree. You agree. I agree hundred percent. I okay. agree with, with most of the things that are said here with, the unfortunate caveat that I, I I need to see the end of the story. At least I need to see the end of this installment because this installment is not over. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to how big of a cliffhanger there's going to be for the third, you know, Dune Messiah thing because I don't know the story. But um, I just I just need to see I just need to see this piece completed. I need to see this part and then I can make a ruling and then I can be on tenterhooks. There, I said it your way. I said it your way. It's uh, seminal. As as oh god, <laughs> as the rest of you guys, and then I can all be totally on board for for Dune Messiah. Excited to see whatever the hell that is. Probably like what twenty twenty five when we get something like that. It's not Jeez. very long. It's I actually know. pretty soon. Yeah, in the pot in four years. Why not? Why I got not? nothing else going on. Yeah. What will we be on episode two hundred fifty? That's not that many. We'll be, uh, we'll be like in the second pandemic already. <laughs> a drop in the bucket of movies. <laughs> yeah. It's really not that many. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, but uh, with its dadness, tentative dadness, I, I grant this tentative dadness. And okay. I, I am I am very excited to see to see what comes next. So it's half certain dad movie. Half certain. Half tentative. That's pretty good. That's this also is in. new. This that's, is it. That, that's, yeah. Yeah. This is, is in. this got in, in in the hall of dad. Yeah. For sure. And it will be elevated to a higher place later. Yeah. It will. Or kicked yeah. completely out. Yeah. <laughs> That's acceptable. Although I don't know, what, I don't know how Denny's would, gonna how gonna mess it up. What would kick it completely out for you? Like what would happen? The to second happen? one sucked. I don't know. <laughs> if I don't like it, I don't know. I mean, like okay. I try not to put expectations if, on it. I'm if trying the to put second one is really crummy. Do you envision coming back and watching this? Yeah. Yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd watch this movie okay. regardless. Yeah. No, I don't think I would. I've been weighing think, that. Like, would I? I don't know. I, I honestly can't say. My confidence level in Villeneuve is way too high. So I don't have any dangerous expectations, or at least in my mind. Like, I just feel like he's going to knock it out of the park. And maybe I'll like regret that saying that in two years. But <laughs> yeah, I just I feel like he can't do wrong in my eyes. And that's based on like how many movies that he's done. and. Mm -hmm. It's it's based on like all the evidence. Yeah, yeah. there's, there's yeah. plenty of evidence for it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, no, I agree. What if what if it's not really bad? What what if the second one is just all right? It's just like Oof. a very okay movie. That'll be disappointing. Yeah. I'll come back to I'd it. Be disappointed. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll rewatch it. If it's just okay, I'd probably I'd probably rewatch but it. But it's gonna be a just okay two hour and forty five minute movie. That's the problem. Yeah. Is this the crushing length? I, I'd hold out for the third one. I'd have my hopes set on the third one. And if that mm -hmm. one sucked, I would be very, very sad. It's kind of like yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean yeah. too. 
You know, Pirates like of the that. Caribbean 3 <laughs> came around. I made it all worthwhile. It's nothing like that at all. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, when you make examples, you need to make them applicable to your material. I don't know if you knew this about examples. You can't just like pull out random movies that are good and say they suck. Well, what do you I, know? It's a trilogy. You know? It's a trilogy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, but uh, it would have to be really bad before I was doing with it. Um, <laughs> all right. For me, though, it would be something like Pirates of the Caribbean because I only really like the first one and I don't like the rest. Of, don't need to watch the rest of the Pirates franchise. And it was it, really hard for you to watch four more movies. After that, <laughs> one. that was <laughs> rough. That was, that was rough. rough. Ten hours on top of the original two and a half. Right, fantastic. Quick, we made something beautiful. We did. We quick did. Con- confession time. I have seen the rest of the Pirates of the Caribbean, but I've not listened to the rest of the of the podcast on those. So you're missing out, dude. You're missing. Just listen to the just listen to the one in the last two. That's yeah, really that's the fantastic. best one. <laughs> yeah, I, I will at some point. Uh, that's rough. the other Dave. That's the other Dave. Seriously, pointless Dave. Yeah, man, he's I'm... not pointless, but his. His podcast. His podcast. I miss is, David. Yeah. If you're still out there listening, SPCAC, come on, hit us, hit us back. Yeah, up hit again. us up. We man. miss you, dude. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it, that that's all I got. Is that's that all it. you guys got? Last, I think last chance. Well, you know, I really. No, is there, is there a theme, Mike, that we didn't touch on? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, we probably did, but you know, that's fine. That's all right. That's all right. Someone we didn't talk, talk enough about, about the spider. We didn't that's talk very much true. about drugs. That's actually. Yeah, I'm, and I was actually kind of cool with that because I was you know you know what. I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> I'm just going to leave that be. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of amazing that like the entire economy of the future is based on drugs, like doing it, drugs. How prophetic like, of Frank cool. Herbert. <laughs> that is where it's going. That will eventually yeah. be the case. People yeah. will want drugs as they always have. This is amphetamines. Yes. Like, that's it. It's, Dude, it's it, amphetamines mixed with mushrooms. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. You get to see shit. Anyway, uh, for all of us at Not Your Father's Movies, I- I'm Vito. I'm Mike. I'm Jesse. And I'm Dan. Spicy Dan, the gentle man. Uh, Thank you for joining us. Um, And for all you out there listening, have a good night.